River Kingdoms are an ever-warring group of city-states, kingdoms, and fiefdoms, where lives are threatened every day by conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Mavoy sits the Stolen Lands, stolen from me and my kind, and degenerated into savage conflict. I have been called by many names, Titania, Nerissa, the Queen of Forgotten Time. Herein lies the end of Stagthorn's tale, where Caelan Peacebringer has finally taken control of the wilderness, monsters, romantic entanglements, the affairs of ancient gods, and war. I will lift the heavy burden from his head and bring Stagthorn peace forever. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. Episode 149. Voice of the Editor here, and then we did the math for the last six months of Kingdom Turns which we've stitched together here. There's about half an hour of Kingdom Turns at the start of this episode, and then back to the actual play. Where last we left you, Jabberwocky's madness overtakes your city. Epic battles. Yes. So Kaelin had defeated the Jabberwocky, discovered that his city was now full of gold statues, and um, then he got to sleep in his own bed, bed and nothing ate him, which was marvellous. Yeah. And when you wake up the next morning... There's still nothing eating. It's pretty startling. So um, we went down to the Castle of Night Ives and made preparations to ensure we could get in there if we wanted to. Yep. And talk to Tristram about a few things. Yep. Um, and now we come to the last kingdom turns. So um, after Caelan um, sold his gold statues for a massive profit... And then paid his armies for the um, five months he, um, five weeks he kept all of them in the field. Um, like the Freudian slip there, it just <laughs> felt like five months. Yeah, um, he um, and repaired all of his cities where they got broken. Um, he was left with a whopping profit of eleven glorious build points. Wow. Yep. He failed the stability check, uh, picked up another point of unrest. Um, Paid six in consumption and wound up with five build points. So, and that brings us to filling magic item slots. Yep. So I have an empty medium slot and a um, new major slot because I built a foreign quarter. Ooh. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Okay, so your next medium one yep. is a paraft of wisdom plus four. Ooh. I kind of assume my wisdom-delighting characters are already wearing such things, but it might be worth checking. Uh, it's a good question. Um, Michaela and Bryn are the ones that particularly care. Bryn is wearing an amulet of constitution in the same slot, which sure. I would rather have. And Michaela is, is, of course, wearing an amulet of natural armor. Yep, so she's not going to swap that out. No. Cool, so nobody wants that. Alright, but I will leave it in the slot anyway and clear my rod of the viper for my clear slot. Right, and, um, actually no, I'll leave the rod of the viper because I may want to clear my mage and see what the major item slot is. Because I may not, may want to clear that. 
sphere. Just before the end of the campaign, I managed to get a major item slot. Yep. I don't know that it will terribly excite you, however. Well, that's why I'm saving my clearing thing. Uh, it is a plus four dwarven war axe. I can think of a character who would be very interested in that, but unfortunately he's not playing in this, you know, actual campaign. Mm-hmm. Alright, so yes, I will clear my plus four dwarven war axe and have another the option for another major item slot next month. Um, cool, so... That's vacant magic item, pot slots. I don't do anything with my own wrist. Assign leadership. Yep. The old Beldane being tragically dead. Yes. One would assume you're going to have a funeral for her, but this we don't desperately need to play that on screen. Yeah, I think um we have a funeral, you know, people as that. Of a variety of funeral services. Yeah, I think we probably have a funeral in the forest that attended by large amounts of little fae creatures. Yep. Or um, in the um in the swamp where you found her. Yeah, originally. we we probably go down to the swamp where we found her originally and bury her near her old hut. Yep. Um, and um, we have um, and the funeral is attended by a large number of people and a large number of little fake creatures. Yep. Um, and I gain a point of unrest because people, as it turned out, after everything, are yeah, sad yeah. that she's dead and weren't really prepared for that because most yeah, of them yeah. were really sulky about me employing her in the first place. And you know, the little fake creatures are all really upset. Which is very understandable. Um, and then I confirm Palavish as my, as my spymaster. Yeah. Okay, some of the unrest might it's, be that. It's because Palavish is now your spymaster, Palavish. Yes. So, um, I want to know what spymaster Palavish is bringing to the, my economy. And, you know, really badly I want to know how he does the spymaster because, you know, I've been waiting for this. Well, the old Bell Dame actually held this job up for quite a while. I've forgotten them. What the spy master does. She she was looking after economy. And I will Yeah, yeah, it's um what her stats are coming from and that yeah. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You can flicker the spy master's the one that you can flick around if you're yeah. so Yeah, not on his first week on the job. Okay, so there are plenty of complaints about Spy Master Perlavish being a fae. Yeah. And, you know, like, we we don't want, you know, fae watching us everywhere we go. You know, damn things aren't even human. Don't understand what we want. You know, they don't, they, they don't make any sense. But it turns out um, Perlavish doesn't have a lot of focus for this. Um... What he is good at is when he shows up to report to things, it's Spy Master Perlamish reporting for duty. What do I need to know about what's happening in the kingdom? Well, I have heard this and 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 this. What he can what he can't do is is really tone it down or make it concise. His briefings are at least twice as long as the old Bell names. Yeah. And contain um a lot of nuggets of really useful information coupled with the discovery that really didn't need to filter all the way to the king that old Lady Magruder is actually turning cats into pies. Yeah. You know, somebody should do something about that, certainly, but there's no real reason it needs to cross your desk for an executive decision. Yeah. Um, but that said, one of the reasons it takes twice as long is because Palavish comes up with lots of information he seems to have ears everywhere, 
And he is continually taking information from everywhere, including right while he's talking to you, because it turns out um, having a spy master who has natural telepathy, <laughs> um, natural invisibility, <laughs> actually turns out that when he puts his mind to getting to something, when you tell him, okay, follow up on this, boy, does he come back with all the information on it. Uh, Perlavish adds a plus three to your spy mastery. Oh, woohoo! So that's only a one drop on the old Beldane. Yeah. He is really doing well. We also give him, like, a human assistant whose job is to remember what he's doing <laughs> on a day to day. It's to do continuity bits. Seems, seems fair. Alright. Cool. Okay, so we get to the claim assign build things. Yeah. So, um,. Kalen um, uh, has very, very little money in the treasury, so he borrows some money from her yep. um in order to actually do some very small amounts of things, and he begins preparing a new settlement site in the area surrounding the Keep of Flowers, which he has been patiently building roads to, Yep. Um, which is go- a new settlement that is going to be called Rosethorn. Very nice. However, as it is in a forest hex, what I'm actually doing is I pay full BP and in yeah. two months I can have a settlement. Yeah, so I'm clearing I'm, it out. I'm clearing it out. And um, he also builds a half-price jail in Lakeview because he's desperately short of stability and has too much unrest. And yeah. miraculously, when he builds a jail, these problems reduce. Yep, that's how it works. Yep. profit prisons are where it's at. Alright, he rolls an economy check and flubs it hard. And does not make his economy check this round. You've probably got extra people to put in jail, though, with all the people that are protesting um, the, the bottlers that we talked about. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, the, oh, yeah. No, the, I, I was letting those guys... Um, yes, go. yes, but there's always going to be a couple. Yeah. Like, we will achieve peace through violence. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. If they, if they start breaking things in town, to, to be honest, you know, they, they're kind of following Titania's model there. <laughs> You know, I, I want peace, so I'm going to unleash an unstoppable war machine. Because that will teach you for not wanting peace. <laughs> Might not be the most successful thing, but I can keep borrowing money from everyone, damn it, and I intend to. The other hand, next month you won't be paying all your armies. Yeah. <laughs> that will be a help. So, um... Okay, and at this time I want to do another round of prep, and I will come back to you in a bit. Okay, so um, in another quiet, quiet and not particularly successful month, the citizenry um, have some peace and quiet, realise what happened to them, and, and freak out a little bit. Yep. Kaelin fails his stability check by more than five. Yep. And picks up two more points of unrest. Um, he um, pays consumption, goes down to zero build points. Um, Fills vacant magic item slots and gets a new major item. <laughs> well, I'm sure this will be really useful to you. A ninth level pearl of power. Ah, yep. It is worth uh, 81,000 gold pieces. Okay. And it would be great if you had anything resembling a ninth level caster. Yep, and I clear it. I'm, I'm gonna milk this thing for as long as I can manage it. Yep. Um, I'm, the thing is, I'm not sure there'll be anything coming you want because a um, a weapon is not going to be better than the magical artifacty swords that you have. Yeah. And armor is probably not something you necessarily want to change out at this point. 
Well, I mean, if you think it'd be better to try with the medium one, I can switch to doing the medium ones. No, I mean, those will give you just lesser versions of the same. Yeah, no. At least these are new and interesting. Yeah, I'll keep trying and hope for a good one, but if I don't get one, I don't get one. It's not exactly the end of the world. Um, I use my Royal Enforcer and modify my unrest. Making my loyalty check. Yep. Um... In a not unrelated matter, my loyalty check is, um, I can only fail on a two or lower. Yep. Um, because I, I keep building buildings which have an incidental buff to loyalty in order to improve my other crappy kingdom stats. Um, I, um, build terrain improvements and things, which is a quiet term. I build a herbalist in Varnhold. Um, Wind up with a net total of negative 10 in the treasury. Fail my economy check by 1. I rolled a 12, and I failed my economy check by 1. Well, you've still got those Kingdom um, Hero Points if you have any. No, I do not have the Kingdom okay. Hero Points. Burn them all, keeping your councillors alive instead of hurling them into the void. I did that, yes. So, um, I um, gain my um, build points per turn and go up to a positive um, economy value of 2. Yep. And that's that whole month. <laughs> Pound's economy sitting on a prosperous two bill points. Mm-hmm. He made his stability check and um, started to get the uh, the pe- people started to calm down. And the unrest went down. Um, paid um, six in consumption and dropped to a very very small number. Um, uh, got. Um, Gained and cleared out a ring of major electricity as a magic item slot, and founded the city of Rosethorn, uh, a new city um, in the area of the um, of the Keep of Flowers. So I would like to know, having built a settlement on the Keep of Flowers area, are there perchance any old buildings I could get bonuses to? Uh, possibly, but you need to give me a moment. Yeah, absolutely. So, the Keep of Flowers yes. uh, is a very finely made old elven tower. It is, of course, a ruin. Yeah. Um, well, not so much anymore. But, yeah. Um, well, it's kind of been um, uh, ruined, repaired, occupied, and then ruined again because yeah. the um, trolls came through and occupied um, the trolls that um, Uravini had came through and occupied it. But there is very beautiful... Um, well-made elven stonework there. Yep. Um, to reform something from. Uh, it can be incorporated into a half-price building. Yep. Um, which is either a watchtower, which is yep. not terribly exciting, a caster's tower, which is probably exciting, or a castle. Who? Awesome. It's effectively making, you know, the biggest battlement on the castle. Yep. Cool. Um, sweet. So, yes, founded the city of Rosethorn and um, built a um, house and a library in it. Well, then, yeah. Um, and then um, failed my economy check again. Hmm? Alright, with a glorious um, 1 BP in the treasury, I um, made my stability check and gained another 1 BP, which is very welcome. 
I um, paid my consumption um, and then um, built a shop in the new city of Rosethorn because for some reason Carolyn felt my economy does need boosting. Um, And um, this time, however, at a treasury value of negative 12, I made my economy check and have a glorious 52 build points in the treasury. And this is going to be the last month. And at this time, I'm going to do the things, as many of the things I want to do as I can afford. (laughs) All right, one more short pause, and then I will be done. Okay, so with Kaelin's glorious 52 build points, he made his stability check um, and picked up another one, which is marvellous. And then he decided to spend some money. He's... um. Borrowing a certain amount of from Mivon to make this turn work. Mm-hmm. Um, in um, in the city of Rosethorn, he is building a park, a shrine to Shalem, a caster's tower in the city of Rosethorn, uh, a caster's tower in the Keep of Flowers, and a hospital. Um, the other thing that he's doing is claiming one hex in Varnhold, um, yep. F9, yep. which is a fey jungle hex. Yep. And in it, he is building his own ecology. Nice. The one that I didn't get. So what I would like you to do right now is um, a couple of things. Um, he um, has a free medium item slot, so I'd like you to tell me the last one in case it's awesome. Oh, yes. Oh, brace thyself. Oh, 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 so we just did the practical wisdom. I mean, it's, it's a ring of invisibility. Yeah, so that doesn't suck. It's not actually something that my party per se wants, but... So, yep, a ring of invisibility, and um, the major item was a ring of spell storing. Yep. So. And at that point, the magic items for the king, for the kingdom are done. <laughs> but, you know, it got Bryn um, something to spend her money on and a book of dexterity, dexterity boosting, so that wasn't worth, that wasn't worthless. Yep. Um, and then I would like to tell you to tell me, um, what a, um, hospital does. A, and also what a fey ecology does. Okay, so, uh, the hospital. Yep. Is loyalty plus one, stability plus two. Oh, nice. Hold on. Yep. And if only it worked this way in real life, uh, your kingdom can, your entire kingdom, rather than just the city it's in, can no longer suffer from plagues or similar such events unless they are intentionally inflicted on you. Mm-hmm. So somebody can still inflict a city with the blood veil if they're so inclined. Yep. Um, but you can no longer have any, roll up any of the negative events that are plagues. Awesome. You just ignore them. Your city gets the plague. You deal. Awesome. If, if only. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, ah, that's the one. Okay, so uh, not this is, not this is actually even use to you anymore per se. Yeah. But um, your fey ecology basically has um, you've got a bunch of fey living out there, unmolested by the townsfolk, um, in relative peace. Yeah. I mean, you've sort of got that elsewhere in the kingdom anyway, yeah. but it's effectively like their natural park. They're yeah. Their preserve where people don't go. Yeah. Um, nothing seems to happen directly from this. You don't have tourists, say, tourists going there and yeah. boosting your economy. The Fae are not per se doing anything for you and thus boosting your loyalty or stability or whatever. Um, 
What you will find, however, and Tristan will absolutely say this is because you're treating the Fae well, although it's not really a provable outcome. Yeah. Um, what you have is a lot more little random things go right in your kingdoms, and it's all very small stuff. Chickens lay more eggs. You know, milk doesn't curdle as much. That tile that falls off the roof of the farmhouse falls next to the farmer instead of impaling him through the head, that sort of thing. Those kind of little house blessings that you get from small fay, but spread as a broad effect across your kingdom. Uh, what this gives you is that you can re-roll your base stability check each month. Wow. You're one to determine whether you gain unrest or not. Cool. Your people are just more contented in general. Mm-hmm. Nice. It doesn't affect anything else you do with stability, so if you're forced yeah. to roll it by effects, blah, 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 but um, yeah. your, your general unrest check at the start of each month. Yeah, that would have been incredibly useful about four turns ago. <laughs> but that's well, like, you could have built it four turns ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I could have, but that's okay. Um, it, I got it, and it's awesome, and hilariously, and I think this is very good value, Yeah. Um, Caleb fails his very last economy check ever, rolling a three, and um, puts 400 GP into the Kingdom Treasury so that he can have the glorious success of finishing on zero bill points. Wow. (laughs) Math-tacular. Yep. (laughs) So he spent up big on this month because, um, you know, next month is also slotted to be a quiet month, except for the whole confronting Titania thing. So, right. so basically, Kalen borrows over several months as his economy um, suffers a little. Kalen borrows small amount, amounts from Mivon to keep things in the black because he didn't really borrow very much while the crisis was pending and they did say that we could count on them for that. Well, as far as... Um, because certainly your neighbours will ask you what the hell is going on. Yeah. Um, and presumably you're prepared to tell them, you yeah. know, I, I need to, we need to go into the first world and engage Narissa, we're planning our assault. Yeah, because they already knew about, the, uh, to a certain extent, about the terrifying faith threats because they had some of that information and we gave them some more. Absolutely. But... So, so from their point of view, the war is still going on, which yeah. is true from many points of view. Yeah. But yes, so I have managed to build a caster's, I have built a, I have built my new city of Rosethorn, I have built a caster's tower in the, um, Keep of Flowers, and for some reason I have built a really nice city, it's just kind of a nice place to be, there's a caster's tower, little house, a shop, a library, a hospital, a park, and a shrine to Shaylin, a deity not hitherto very popular in the River Kingdoms, but Kaylin feels she's gonna make a comeback. Indeed. The city has Nothing military in it. It's it's just a very, at least not now, it's a very peaceful sort of place. For no particular reason. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, that's the, and that's the end of my kingdom turns. So there are two more things that I want to accomplish before the grand confrontation, which is a couple of conversations with a few people and a round of um, buying things. Yep. Um, if we want to do, like, finish on a, a small amount of role-playing, we could do one of the conversations now, or we're not going to get through the whole of the preparation-style stuff, because that was a lot of Kingdom Turns. Uh, I'm good, I'm in buying things mode, so... Cool, alright, then let's just leave it there, and um, we can do the role-playing and treasure purchasing next time. Uh, as in, I'm happy to do... Um... Treasury stuff, if that's what you want to do at this point. Oh, right. Um, 
no, not particularly after, um, th- after two hours of straight paperwork. I don't really want to do Kaylin's paperwork. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> also, it's half past ten, so it's probably time to knock this off anyway. Yeah, so let's leave that there and then do those last little bitty bits. So if you answer one question, I could spend 10, 15 minutes doing Treasure and Be Done. Sure. Uh, listening with my big listening ears. Um, Muna, Muna, M- the Shard's Horde yep. contained a wing shield and 50 crossbow bolts that were magical. What were the crossbow bolts? Uh, fine question. I looked up the GP price for a wing shield. Each of those, they're plus two icy bursts, so they're the equivalent of um, plus four crossbow bolts. Cool. So, just need to look up a plus four crossbow bolt. Cool. If you let me know who you're planning on taking with you, I'll gear them. So one, my initial plan when I can only take one PC is to start with Tristram. Yep. So if you start with Tristram... I've done the treasure division, um, so I need to do um, Caitlin's, um treasure buying run at some point, so I can work on that now, or we can um, do some role-playing now and then do that before the... Getting off to the final encounter. I'm perfectly happy for you to work on it now. Cool. Alright, so when last we left our heroes, you've had a couple of kingdom turns. Yep, five, uh, five months have passed. Your kingdom is broke, but you are not. Yes, and well, n- now I am too. You and your friends have been gearing up yep. to fight ahead. Yes. Where are you at? So, um, Kaelin has gone off and purchased some things. He's bought some littler things. He bought a level 5 necklace of fireballs, because he was running low on fireball beads. Yep. And now he has some really nice fireball beads. He's bought a potion of resist cold and resist light, and resist um, electricity, but I'm calling it lightning because it's cooler, plus 30 each. Yep. um, In case of that kind of thing. He's bought another potion of bark skin, some more healing potions out of the party fund. Um, And then he decided to spend up big... Um, he was actually already wearing magical plus five full plate, as clearly he'd thought of that. So he can't magically enhance his armor to give him more AC anymore. Yep. That ship has sailed. So he has instead put fire resistance 10 on his armor, which is why he hasn't gone out and bought a potion of fire resistance. Yep, yeah. Because that doesn't stack. So, um, he is now, um, resist the first 10 points of fire damage, because in his experience, people set you on fire. Primarily. Yep. So he has also upped his cloak of resistance plus three to a cloak of resistance plus five, and gained a plus two bonus to all of his saves. And then lastly, he has upgraded his amulet of natural armor to an amulet of nat from an amulet of natural armor plus three to an amulet natural armor plus five, and gained two very expensive points of AC. Yeah. He has um. Uh, um, 10,000 GP left over, which um, is the kind of amount that at that point you're kind of spending it on fairly penny ante things. Yeah. And also, you know, he wasn't really going to spend down to his last coin. Yeah, yeah, makes good sense. Although if he hadn't already been wearing a cloak, there was a 90,000 cloak of spell resistance in there, was I? <laughs> How much spell resistance was it? 
Uh, I think it must be something at least moderately good for 90,000 G- so, Yeah, for 90,000 GP. It's a mental of spell resistance. Ah, uh, mental, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, 21. Yep. So that's, that's pretty good, but, um, he like, it, 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 once you start wearing a cloak of resistance, unless it's a plus one one, it's really hard to take off again, because it's just like, by removing this cloak, my saves automatically drop three points, so maybe I should not remove the cloak. Which is why it's so brilliant that the Corvosan campaign has a cloak that gives you a plus five resistance bonus on the basis that even if it was cursed, no one would be able to take that off. Isn't a mantle a robe? No, you're right, it's the shoulders. Well, robes go over your shoulders. Right. I'm pretty sure robes and cloaks are the same slot. Uh, No, robes are your body. Right. Well, that wouldn't do me any good anyway. I'm not t- if it was a if it was a body slot. I'm not taking. I'm not taking off my plus five full plate. Fair. Okay. <sighs> so, your other friends in the void here. Yep. Um, Tristan has bought himself up to a nice cloak of resistance plus six. Good for him. That must have been expensive. Uh, sorry, a um, cloak of charisma plus six. Ah, uh, yep, that makes Excuse sense. He, that still does not bring him to six level spells. He'd have had to have spent all his money on, um, the total of leadership that yeah. gives you inherent charisma. Yeah. And then he would have a six level spell. Yeah. So instead he bought a pearl of power fifth to have yeah. an extra fifth level spell instead. Nice. Um, and then he has upgraded his short bow, um, to be the equivalent of a plus five now. It's a plus three frost distance short bow. Nice. Um, Svetlana has also put a plus three enhancement on her thorn bow. Nice. For her long bow. Uh, and then the thing she has bought herself is uh, she has had some time put into this and comes out with a beautiful green dress on, sort of long and flowing and very uh, vaguely Galadriel-like. that um, has all sorts of runes and images of trees and villages across it and all this sort of thing that she has had dedicated to Aristotle, and she is wearing a robe of faith. Awesome. What's that do? Uh, DR5 that is only penetrated by evil. Ah. So you need to be... You, you need, need to have... be evil to penetrate it. But presumably your weapon needs to Correct. be evil? So a, a sufficiently high-level demon will do it. Yeah. As will somebody with a weapon that is actually specifically Certainly evil line. Yeah. That's, the, you know... That's not super... So the, the only thing that can slay her is a greater evil. Yeah. Essentially. Awesome. That sounds amazing. Or somebody who does more than five damage around. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. But the DR is great. Kaelin um, really wanted some, but um, it, it, he decided against it. So Michaela has hit the point where she has her armor, tower shield. Her armor and tower shield are as good as they can get. They yeah, can't I'm, be enhanced any further. Yeah, yeah, Michaela's definitely heading there. The only thing that came to mind was putting um, arrow catching on her tower shield. Yeah. But um, she decided against it. And her armor is already a plus eight equivalent, because it's got yep. vulnerability on it for three three yep. pluses worth. Um, so what she did instead was she went hard and bought a ring of protection plus five. Ah, uh, yes. Up her touch AC. Yep. Um, and then she now has a pool of power for every spell level she can cast. One, two, three, and four. Nice. To give her a few more spells. Yep. Uh, 
Dear Bryn, on the other hand, who didn't spend any of her money last level. Yep. Yep. Um, has sat and meditated and exercised and performed her rituals in the woods for days and days at this point. Um, offering up thousands of thousands of gold worth of food to the animals and offerings to the offerings to the land and all that sort of thing for Rory to make her greater. She has enhanced her unarmed strikes to be the equivalent of plus fours now. Yeah. Uh, so they are now keen Feybane plus two unarmed strikes. Nice. They were already keen in Feybane. Yeah. With her deliberately going for effects that are vaguely plausible as opposed yeah. to flaming frosting fists. Yeah. Um Although I think you have to assume at a certain level what monks have is the magic that's focused on the body because Absolutely. it doesn't make any. Otherwise, how can she out, not just outrun but run into the ground a horse? If she if she were a more sort of oriental chi yeah. focused monk, then I would absolutely give her flaming fist. Yeah. Of, I have the power of the iron fist. Yeah. I turn my fist into fire. I punch it. Yeah, but it doesn't fit the wolf monk thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Whereas Feybane and Keen and Sharper Nails are just kind of all um, in the ilk of I'm a super awesome hunter. Yeah. Uh, she will actually come to you and say, and I'll speed through this because it's just a repeat of the earlier yeah. scene we did with the bastard sort of, <clears throat> husband, there will come a day when there is something far enough away that even I cannot run to it. Or a Jabberwocky high enough, or high enough that even I cannot leap to it. On that day... Show me how to use this and gets a longbow out. Yeah. Uh, so she is buying lesser braces of archery that make her proficient with a longbow. Oh, cool. Then buying a magic longbow. Yeah. As she is starting to hit the point where her ranged weapons no longer do it. Yeah. Um, uh, then she bought gloves of dexterity plus six, read the manual of um, gainful exercise, whatever it was, the plus two dexterity manual. Yeah. At that point, we what I would like to do is go briefly over the things Kaelin did people-wise in those five months. Sure. So, um, the, um, like, the month of Cathona was pretty quiet because everyone was, like, actually, honestly, 90% of it was taken up with more fake combat. Um, and so probably the next month was pretty quiet as well. But, um... So, having actually survived those two months, one of the first things Kaelin will do, which he's been plotting for a while, is to go on a camping trip with the kids and take them out to be centre tribes folk again, which is something he hasn't done in a long time and is very keen to take all three kids to do because they need to learn to be part of the central tribe because this is the... um, these, the, the, one of them will be ruling over the centaurs one day, yeah. and we are a member of that tribe. So the theory is he wants to take Bryn and Micah. He wants to take Brandon and Micah. He wants to take Bryn, because yeah. uh, it's a family trip. Yeah. He wants to explicitly take Tobias as his heir. Yeah. Um, and at that point, he could take Vaughn and Switlana as they're the kids' parents, but he could also just say, would you two like some couple time? And just take Tobias? Well, we, um, you know, we love our children. We love the children unconditionally and obviously want to spend our every waking moment with them. But, you know, perhaps it would be beneficial for their education to have, not have a mother figure around. <laughs> so yes, so that's basically, we go out there and spend a week or so living with the Centaur tribe and being members of the Centaur tribe. Yeah. 
um, and spending some kid time. Yep. I don't know that that particularly needs to be on screen. It's largely It's largely just something. But you know, it gives Kaylin a chance to spend some quality bonding time with Tobias and um, play with Brandon and Micah and reflect on the fact that he still has all three children despite yep. um, various people's efforts. Yep. So that's kind of something that happens in there. And then um, conversation-wise, um, Caelan wanted to talk to Michaela, Aldous, and Triss in no particular order over that sort of five-month period. Yeah. So I think probably Triss would be the first one because I, that's more of a checking-in conversation. Yep, and you're looking to actually speak to these people on screen. And I'm looking to actually, actually speak to these people on screen. Well, you have me. So, back from the... Cameron will have come back from the central camping trip, but at this point, Triss has actually had a couple of months in the kingdom to adjust and acclimatise. So, um, I would imagine I'd track him down on my return and probably... I don't know, where would I find Triss, like, in the castle? Because um, Caitlin doesn't have experience tracking him down. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, um, the stables will be his preference, where it's sort of vaguely outdoorsy. Yeah. Um... So, I can give you a process of this, or you can just ask him, you know, what, what he's ish been doing, how he's ish yeah, feeling. Yeah, I am, I am, that, that is what I'm, I am planning to ask him. Right, cool. So, um, he is often found towards the stables. Uh, one thing that has been happening that you will have been involved in is, um, Eldis is putting together family, uh, formal family dinners on a bi-weekly basis. Um, for his children. Yeah. So he goes to them, Tristan goes to them, Trist goes to them, Vaughn goes to them, and you go to them. Awesome. Or you are invited. He's yeah. scarcely going to be compelled yeah, to no, 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 no. beat you. No, um, Caleb will be very enthusiastic about but, this. But it's, it's almost on the assumption of if it's going to be super awkward anyway... Let's have all of us in the same room doing all of the super awkward thing at the same time. Yeah, that makes sense. And just getting used to tolerating each other. And Eldis is actually right. These are very awkward dinners, but they are probably substantively less awkward than him having an awkward dinner with Tristan, than him having another awkward, awkward dinner with Tris. And let's be honest, his relationship with you and Vaughn isn't all that great either. Well, it's building up the... Yeah, and the thing is that um, Vaughn, Tristram, and I, by and large, get on very well yes. together. So yeah. there's... And, you know, Eldis and Vaughn and Eldis and I get on fairly okay. So yeah. there's kind of a... Um, there's a core of um, stability to build on. Yeah, so you've probably had six or eight of those yeah, at cool. this point. And Awkward but not unpleasant is, is about the broad descriptor for them. Cool. So, um, Kellen will literally be, um, uh, unloading from the trip. Not so much stabling Windchaser, because Windchaser kind of has his own giant paddock with his own personal stable that he can hang out in, but, um, just kind of putting away his horse gear and stuff. So. Hey. Ah, Kellen. What can I do for you? I, um, wanted to see how you were doing generally. Uh, now that you've had, you know, you just arrived and it was strange and you and then we suffered two months of continuous attack. Yes. And, and now we've had a, now you've actually had a, a month or two where we weren't under continuous attack and I wanted to ask how you were doing. 
Yes, things certainly were easier when we were under continuous attack. <laughs> he says with a slight smile on his face, or at least... Put your other problems at, into perspective. At least they were more comfortable. Uh, perhaps we could ride, he says, gestures to a horse. He's he's basically just arbitrarily picked a nice horse in the stables, declared yep. it's his, and um, is grooming that one, because his previous one was a variety of magical flying females. Yeah, so, um, and it, he will have obviously had one of Winchase's herds, so one of the um, higher-end war horses, because mm-hmm. I imagine that would be very much to his liking. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, so Caelan will pick out another one rather than bring Winchaser because it means we can it's a slightly more private conversation yep. also Winchaser's just come home for a couple of days of hard riding because yep. I imagine Caitlin has a regular horse Absolutely. In, in case he needs one yeah, start pro- of thing. probably several yeah. um, so uh, you Triss is in fact an, an excellent rider yeah. um, well on par with the likes of you and Tristan yeah that's <laughs> it's um the the family goes off a sharp cliff because you, Triss, and Tristram are all excellent riders. Yeah. Like, with 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 multiple 20-plus points in it. Yeah. And then you go off the cliff down to Eldis, who is comfortable on a war horse and has, like, five ranks in it. Yeah. And then you have Van, who just relies on his natural dexterity and has no love of horses whatsoever. Well, Van has no ranks. I thought as a Bravoya noble, he'd have at least one or two. He can ride a horse comfortably because yeah. he's a very dexterous person. He yeah, can yeah. Hit, He can hit the five and ten DCs fairly easily. Yeah. But his preference is, you know... Uh, to you, Tristan and Tristram, horses are magnificent creatures that can be ridden upon in a wide variety of ways and perform yeah. tricks and sprint faster. To Van, they are a method of conveyance that takes you from point A to point, point B. So it's slightly more affection of the Corwin, but definitely more on the Corwin end of the scale? Yeah. Also, uh, he's, he's had enough of horse people early in his lifetime. Yeah. So... You ride out of the kingdom, yeah. sort of race or out of the city, rather, yeah. and race each other into the woods, yeah. and sort of do that for half an hour or so without conversa- without much more conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kaelin's very big on the um, manly bonding activities that don't require over much talking. Sure. Then sort of come to a A, a gentle gallop with yeah. horses. Uh, you're not can, canter, 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 canter or yes. trot, I think. Thank you. Cantering and trotting, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, so that's where the conversation is. Yeah, yeah. Um, excellent. And it's been a very strange experience. I'm somewhere in my head. You're still in my castle. <laughs> It doesn't offend me. I know you were raised with it, and and it's uh, it's not a it's not a problem from my perspective. But I understand. I, I've seen you in the meetings. You um, have the habit of command. It takes a it takes a while to adjust. What I'm beginning to understand is that what I've been taught to do is tell people what to do, which is, as it transpires, a very different skill from commanding. I'm fine with the servants. They understand the relationship <laughs> with some of the others. 
the counselors. He shrugs slightly. I can scarcely blame them. They've, um, they've bled for this kingdom again and again. I've just come along and expected it to be handed to me on a plate. I'm, I'm starting to see, I'm starting to see that there isn't really such a thing as a man born to be king. <laughs> I, I think, um, always it comes down to who you are and what you really want. It's uh, certainly not something that I ever planned to do with my life, not that my life was something that I really had plans for. After the nursery company broke up, I, I had never made any plans for my life except to just be a mercenary as hard as I could for the rest of my life, even though, practically speaking, mercenarying isn't work, work for old men. I, um, when I washed up at Elders' doorstep, I was very much lost. I had no plan for what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And, um, no idea what, no, no real idea even how to function and, in wider society without the context of being part of the band. But I was a good bit older at that stage and it had a lot, and I certainly had a lot more exposure to human society. I guess what I'm wondering is, have you had the chance to give much thought to what you do want? What, um, besides the throne, <laughs> what, that was very much a destiny that was handed to you as yours. I'm enjoying is probably too strong a word. Appreciating the the dinners with father, with my brothers, even to some extent with Tristram. It doesn't feel like I'll ever be comfortable here entirely, but then I don't imagine, from what I've now come to understand, that you simply rolled up to what at the time would have been a muddy village under construction, declared yourself king, and fit perfectly in. <laughs> I figured that I'd spend all of my time in the castle, if not ruling, directing. But actually I find I'm more comfortable out here, gestures to the trees, sort of strokes the horse that whinnies appreciatively. <laughs> this isn't supposed to be my home, but it's a lot closer to where I grew up. I don't know how much of that is in me, how much of it is because I was raised in the first world. I don't know what I'd be if I was what I was supposed to be, but I can see it's it's not a life I can just put on like a discarded like a discarded jacket. I'm not saying I'm I'm not saying I'm having an awful time or that I'm miserable here. I just it's not what I expected. You can't just be who you would have been if all of this hadn't happened to you. The, um, I was pretty nervous about the dinners, but I'm enjoying them too. It's good for all of us to be together, even if it's not, even if it's strange. Also, there are hundreds, I, I mean, 
literally hundreds of people in the city, maybe even thousands. Your population is probably at least 10,000 by this point. I've I've never seen so many people around at any one time. Even even a formal meeting or a dinner in the castle has dozens. It's not something I'd ever thought about, but I've I've never done anything more than ride through a city. I've never been here long term before. It it takes some considerable getting used to. I. I don't dislike people, but there's, there's so many of them. Aye, <laughs> oh, I suppose the um, first world's a good bit more sparsely populated. And I'm coming to understand that I was mostly kept away from anything that I wasn't supposed to be seeing or doing. In the case of the Jabberwocky, that's almost certainly a good thing. But the Wriggling Man, I'm starting to understand that... He wasn't the people expert that he thought he was. <laughs> Certainly, I didn't get to, I didn't exactly get to know him well, but, um, based on the time I did spend on, with him, I'm not, I'd be very leery about his advice. A man ultimately prepared to trade everything for power. And, as it turns out, that's not me. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And you remember, you've bled for this kingdom too. You've, you saved, you saved Tobias, you saved the voice. Yes, well, how could I not? They're wonderful children. It meant a great deal to me. Can I not? And there's this slightly awkward pause again, then in a sort of lower voice, you're my brother. Kale will reach over. It's low enough that you can hear this, so I'm not really whispering, but I'm also not talking loudly. Kale will reach over from um, his horse and, you know, kind of clap him on the back, affectionately. And the shoulder somewhere in between those two. I guess what I'm trying to ask is... Would you want to be on my council? Uh, at a point where you and the others feel you can trust me with that, then yes. Only in some regards, I must say. I... Starting to understand my education didn't really cover the economics of a kingdom as far as I was concerned you have a kingdom you have money people give you money because you're the king you can spend money as you like because you're the king Leon makes it sound a lot more complicated either he's not very good at what he does or he's actually quite good at it and I simply don't understand (laughs) could I have a look at my kingdom sheet? sure get my Oh, there it is. Sorry, I didn't remember it was out. Um, 
I could certainly see I could certainly see a place for myself in something like Zamath's role as the warden. Well, that would be his primary one. What yeah. I do for what ninety percent of the time is ride around in the yeah. wild. Uh, that, that, I was th- I was thinking of something something akin to that. Yes. Uh, that's certainly his his inclination. He's mm-hmm. mostly unsuited for several other things. Yeah. But he's very much a a, a more martially leaning character. Yeah. If if a time comes where you have the space, uh, I understand that a kingdom has a constant core of loyal counselors, unchanging. <laughs> so it could be it could be a lifetime. It's hard to say. Um, people come and they go. They retire. Get get sick. Things happen to them. It's um if it's something that you're interested in. It's something I might look to in the months to come. Um, Zamad's, um, in her role to give her something to do so she doesn't go off and um, try to single-handedly take down Wardekai or things of that nature. It may well be that she want, she'll be living a long time, and it may well be that in a year or a few years she'll want to take up another role. She wants to be a great hero of her tribe. I'll um, possibly talk to her of it. And um, it's something that we can look to. I... I've always been painfully aware that my lifetime will be a lot shorter. I... <laughs> well, I can certainly understand that one. But Compared to the people I hang out with, yeah. the vast majority of whom are immortal and live in a timeless realm. <laughs> I can see it's a lot more pointed for you, but... Um... You'll find your lifespan is a lot closer to the at length the vast majority of people are going to live around here. And so, um, I can't really clarify this point in character, but it's, I'll, I want to express it out of character. Basically, when Triss sort of talks about how he's been raised and the kingdom, how he expects a kingdom to work, it's very much what he's been given as the fairy tale version of a kingdom. Yeah. Like, you're either a good king and your subjects prosper, or you're yeah. an evil tyrant, and yeah. there's really no two steps in between. You're a yeah. good king or an evil tyrant. All the little details, the money, the food, all that yeah. sort of crap just runs itself. The king sits on the throne and makes wise decisions and tells people what to do, and the kingdom runs itself in the yeah. background, which, as Caelan full well knows, isn't really how it works. And Triss is just starting to understand... It's it's like uh, it's it's like the equivalent of your understanding of economics being formed by daddy works at a job to make money, you know. Then we spend money, and that's my entire understanding of economics. Yeah, it's all of it. All all that you all that you know is true, but it doesn't begin to cover the extent of the difficulty and complexity of it. Yeah. Uh, Certainly, I'd like to stick around in the long term. This it's, it may not have been the role it was intended for, but this is still my home. This is still my life. Good. I- I'm glad. This, um... I can't give you back what you should have had, but if this isn't too strange... I'd be very glad of the chance to for you to stick around and to get to know you better. On 
contrary, people think your kingdom is strange because it's full of fae and kobolds and sinfuls. <laughs> Their kingdom is strange. I went up to Brevoy with Father to be introduced to some of his old, older friends. Or to Restorf, rather, in the former Brevoy. A few weeks back. That, that was strange. <laughs> I was really thinking more of the um, being filled with humans part of the kingdom as being strange, but I suppose it's more more natural in that regard than um, the neighbouring kingdom, certainly. There is something I wanted to ask. I? Uh, you and Van are both married, and if I understand it right, Tristan and, Tristan and Michaela are waiting. Uh, I think they're engaged... Uh, Tristram and Michaela are engaged no. at this point? Okay, that they're, uh, they're together. They're not, um, they're not engaged as yet. No, you're not actually even sure if they are um, sleeping together or not. Yeah. Because they're both quite tight-lipped about it, but neither of them has said a word about marriage or engagement. Yeah, and um, Caelan's very keen to keep his beak well out of that yeah. one, because, um, you know... He's really interfered about four times as much as he wanted to in his family members' love lives, and at this point he'd like to let them get there on their own bat. Uh, am I expected to do the same? Uh, nay. Um, the, the common traditional Brevoian custom is that the nobility passes off their children in exchange for power. Uh, it's a custom I, uh, but it, I wasn't raised to it, and I don't um, like it particularly. And I've always um, had the position that as I married for love rather than for political advantage, my brothers should be free to do the same. Indeed, we uh, turned down a very powerful political alliance because um, Van was Van and Switlana were in love, and Tristram at the time was fancying Quintessa Murray. Didn't work out great, but I don't think she, Rustling would have been the right woman for him. There's, in time, you may find a woman that you like, but there's no hurry in that. Uh, you may find that a number of women are interested in you because you're a thorn and a member of the nobility and stuff. <laughs> he actively starts chuckling at this and he, he knows, yes, uh, I think they've been flirting with me, but they're so, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? What's the opposite of a woman that's forward? Is it demure? Yeah, demure, yeah. or, um, uh, yeah, demure, or, um, indirect, or something like that. Yeah, I think demure is what I'm looking for. But they're, they're so demure, it's hard to tell, and so plain as to be, uh, woefully uninteresting. <laughs> Ah, yeah, I suppose that would be a bit of a matter to adjust to after Fay Woman. I'm, I'm not altogether unexperienced. I'm, I'm not even remotely unexperienced in the ways of woman, but I've come to understand that nymphs may be a little different. <laughs> nymphs, nixies and the like may be a little different. Ah, uh, yeah, I think um, from human woman, yeah... Quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. The the ugliest woman that, that Triss has ever slept with has had, like, 24 charisma. Uh, yeah, okay, that, that's going to be an adjustment. Um, and, you know, he, he sort of says, uh, uh, the, the women of the kingdom of Stagthorn are, are very plain. Um, 
by which he's not remotely an asshole enough to actually say this to your face. But, like, that's counting Bryn Michaela and Svetlana as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely going to have to adjust his yeah. expectations. I, um, I suppose love copies all. <laughs> well, uh, what human and, and woman ha- lack in um, supernatural beauty, they make up for in, I suppose, trustworthiness? At least if you choose the right one. I've never um, had any experience with fey creatures, as despite a few having uh, propositioned me, but what you want in a woman generally is, in my view, is someone you can trust. Someone you can count on, someone who can watch your back and defend you. Bryn, Bryn's a remarkably strong and talented woman. She knows her way around the woods like no one else I've ever met. I can see why she appealed despite. It's uh, not being the best looking of um, men. I don't. It's not something that was ever particularly strong in my concerns. What I want in a woman is someone who can protect herself and protect the children and someone who I know loves me. Triss is also um, very good looking in a classic sense. Yeah. He's built, he's blonde, he's tall. Yeah, he um, it looks very much like Kaelin always wished, yeah, yeah, he, he wished he would because he's very much Vaughn's younger brother and Vaughn absolutely is pretty much what Caelan wants to be. He's, he's, he's also much better looking than Vaughn. Yeah. He's the poster child for um, handsome noble. Yeah. Handsome noble. So he's going to be... Women are going to be seriously attracted to him. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's indeed, the reverse is not necessarily going to be true. I don't imagine Caelan desperate, is desperately the sort of person that listens to gossip in yeah. his kingdom, and there have been no scandals or any issues that wouldn't yeah. get to cross your desk. But a number of women have thrown themselves at Triss. Yeah. In a rather forward fashion for yeah. the um, sort of people who are going to be of the sufficient rank to interact with him. Uh, and he's just like, whoa. But they're what, also what demure and so unattractive. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Nymph, the nymph just kind of walks up to you with the towel around her waist, yeah. drops it and says, oops, take me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the standard that he's used to. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be an adjustment. But in any case, um, you're welcome to make your own decisions in that regard. There's no... um, I have been known to keep a certain amount of um, watch over my young brothers and discourage them from marrying Dagamaki assassins and the like, so if you're looking for someone permanent, I'd look for it not to be a Gaironan cultist or a Dagamaki assassin, but beyond that, I... Try not to get too involved in these things. Doesn't always work out, but I do try. <laughs> oh god, Tristan Quintessa can hook up as two people now with spares. <laughs> I think if there's one thing Tris really doesn't want in a woman, it's a woman who's attracted to Tristram. Yes, <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. It's kind of the Mark and Miles thing, the principal thing he's looking for is someone who doesn't find him, doesn't find Tristram attractive. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I think by his standard, um, 
Svetlana qualifies as decent with her 22 charisma. Yeah, yeah, she's sort of, um... And everyone else has kind of go home. Yeah, yeah, she, she's kind of, um, pretty enough to be worthy of consideration. Yeah, like, there's there's the one decent girl. Yeah. She's, like, a, a vaguely hot girl that you go to high yep. school with, and that's about it. And that's without even knowing Michaela's a <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, Michaela is pretty, but not yeah. extraordinarily attractive. Yeah. And even in her veiled yeah. disguise, she deliberately puts on a veil of disguise that's pretty enough to draw an eye, not so pretty as to draw attention. Yeah. So, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's that, so. Caitlin's message is basically try not to, um, uh, try not to be secured by anyone who's an active enemy of this yeah, kingdom. Yeah, yeah Triss's Trist, Trist's views on woman are just um, bizarre and interesting enough that I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Like he's he's not really a misogynist. Um, what he is is he's mostly just really uneducated about woman. He's yeah. used to a completely alien species of, fem- of the female gender. Well, it's very much his problem with everyone. What he's coming to the realization is that. Um, People aren't just counters on a gang board. Yeah, the and, world doesn't revolve around me. Yeah, and and that um, has a lot of implications for dating as well. You know, it, it's like women are actual people. Yeah, and fey woman in particular, the sort of fey woman he's dealt with, are very much just I'm blindingly attractive. Yeah, uh, literally in some cases. Yeah, and will come forward and you know have sex with you, have sex with you because I feel like it. Yeah, the terrifying part. And of then Brynn. I'll leave again, and there's no strings, consequences, or follow up. Yeah, Brynn, Brynn and Quintessa are probably um, still qualifies demure by face standards. Yeah, yeah, Quint. Quintessa would be the equivalent of a, a reasonably frigid nymph. Yeah. Like, she's fairly forward in her flirting, but she doesn't actively just climb into your lap and start wriggling. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes, um, Michaela another species entirely. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, well, he's, he's pretty confident Michaela isn't flirting with him. Yeah. But it's, it's sort of the, um, the woman who have come up to him and gone, oh, Lord Triss, you know, you're so strong and I'm going to stroke your arm and this sort of thing. He's just like, Whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yes, so that's pretty much. Um, so what Kalen would like to do, given that he's interested, is probably head in the direction of looking at giving him a post on the council, uh, in the council as a councillor in you know, kind of another five five to six months. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, in terms of, um, I figure, given that the campaign will be over at that point. Yeah. It's not something that he has to worry about in the short term, you know, like, but looking at the list, it depends very much what Zamanth wants to do, because um, one possibility would be to move Huxley off because he was only ever doing it because I asked him to. Yeah. Um, but it depends on, but, you know, then we'd need to move people around in the Zamanth area, but um, it, it would depend on how how much Zamanth was enjoying it and whether it was something she wanted to do in the long haul, because... Yeah. I feel like she's now matured enough that she's probably a bit less likely to engage him. Very much so. And I already have centers on the council, so this could be like, but that would sort of depend on her having an exciting, something interesting and exciting that she could do, because yeah. she's actually a cool counselor and I don't, wouldn't want to just kick her off. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the centaurs are not so much, um, committed anymore to we always have to have a centaur on the council at all times yeah. because you've shown a pretty clear preference that yeah we're totally going to include you in the kingdom yeah. instead of just have you off in your own little reservation but the um, 
in any case, um, with Akora slash um, Akora slash Need as the Viceroy, you know, there is a centaur on the council anyway. Yeah. I wanted to give Zamantha go as the warden, but, um, so that's probably the direction I'd be looking at heading in is, um, finding Zamantha something else cool she can do. Uh, but the other thing I can see, really see that Zamath might be interested in is possibly going off adventuring. Yeah. Because I can really see her as being sort of, you know, now that my people are safe from Vordekai. Yeah, I can see that. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it, it, have you ever thought that this paid position is kind of tying you down? <laughs> cool. All right. So that's the general direction I'm going in in that regard. Yep. All good. Um, and then um, I wanted to talk to Michaela and... I wanted to also talk to Elvis. Find Michaela. Uh, probably we'd be like having dinner together or yeah. something like that, because that's the sort of thing that we do. Blah 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 blah. Kingdom business. Yeah. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Smile. <laughs> so, um, how are things going with you and Tristram? Very well, actually. Thank you for asking. Oh, good. He's. Uh, You know your brother. He's a remarkable man. He's kind and sweet. He cares more about me than anyone in my whole life has, I think. No, no offence. No, no, no. I didn't take it as such, but um, he's he's got a very loving heart, has, has Tristram. He hasn't shown any signs of being put off whatsoever by this takes the veil off half walks up because I'm actually having a fairly yeah. private dinner here yeah. um, and it's uh, it's not even remotely what I was expecting it's still possible he's simply very good at hiding his feelings but he'd have to have kept that up as a long game for all these many years I, I don't think it's likely and they, um, Tristram's, um, not very difficult to read. Yes, unless that's what he wants you to think, <laughs> he's a cunning 30 bluff, and he's kept up this illusion of just being a naive fool for years, which Michaela is not discounting as a possibility. It's only filling 5% of her thought, but it's, it's still there. I think the, um, from a Faye perspective, Physical appearance isn't so important because it can be so easily altered. It's not really a mindset that um, makes sense to me per se, but I can see it makes sense from his point of view. He and I are planning on getting married. At all? Probably not. The... Commitment is one thing, but the ceremony has no meaning to him. What are we going to do? Be bound in the eyes of, his, of our gods? I, uh, you don't have. Um, uh, I, it's. I can see why you might not want one in the eyes of the gods. And either I can, either I can trust him to be faithful, or I can't. And if I can't trust him, then why would I be in a relationship with him in the first place? Uh. Children will probably be a lengthier debate. They would no doubt become strange. I, I can, I, I can't pretend I can't understand your concerns in that area 
And um, although I think there might be that if they did throw the York side, there's things you and I could teach them that um, perhaps we wouldn't have been able to when we were younger. And I can understand um, Trista might be concerned about uh, half a children feeling alienated from the world. I know he's not entirely at home here. There's also some question of... Um... This was the last problem that ever occurred to me, but now that we're a few more months into it, it's occurred to me that I'll die a lot sooner than he will. He'll outlive it. Tristan will outlive us all. Uh, Bryn, inclu- Bryn included. Yes, the um, I know it's uh, weighed on Bryn's heart. I'll, um, she'll still be quite a young woman when I I die, assuming I don't assuming I don't get eaten by some monster. On the other hand, Tristan is very clear that better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. I, I mean, the same would be true of any woman. I know you're um, a little, a little older because she's a little bit older than she's a little bit. She's a little bit older than him. She's a little bit older than you. Yeah, and of course, she's looking at the same lifespan that I am. Yes. So it's it's, it's exactly the same problem, except that um, Tristram's even longer lived than Bryn. So she is kind of the human equivalent of in her late thirties, early forties. Yeah. She's not quite too old to have children, particularly because she's a ridiculously hardy adventurer. Yeah. But she's definitely getting there. Yes, of course, because it, it, with the half, it's, I hadn't thought of her the half old lifespan in her context, yeah. but because she's actually older than Kayla, yes, it, it makes a real difference. I it's uh I hadn't I hadn't thought so much of that, but it's but it'd be true of um perhaps not quite so quickly, but it'd be true of any woman he allied himself with unless he was going for an elf of which there aren't a great many in the kingdom. Yes. It's not ideal, but it is what it is. I'm scarcely about to cut my heart out or turn myself into a pile of worms to avoid life. And I appreciate it. Because <laughs> you'd no doubt be a very difficult to fight pile of... You'd no doubt be a very difficult to fight um, clockwork monstrosity. Tristan hasn't told you this, and I'd appreciate it if you didn't mention it to him for now. But um, we've been talking about what we'll do next. After this is all over, once we've dealt with Titania, and whatever happens there. And she looks kind of awkward at this, and takes a bite, and pauses, and then she... I have served House Thorne, blood and bone, for almost 30 years at this point. Loyally and faithfully, first your father, then you, and around you, the kingdom of Stagthorn. I think the time has come where I am well overdue for a long holiday. I can't argue with that. Tristan and I, uh, if all goes well with Titania, or if all reaches a resolution with Titania, we're planning on leaving the kingdom for some time, a period of years probably, to go wandering. Not in this world. I didn't think it would be if you were going travelling in the first place. That's good to know. 
Stagthorn will always be a part of us, and very likely will be back in a few years. But Tristan wants to see more of the First World, more of his home. He's worried about leaving his family. Eh, we'll all miss the hell out of you, of course. But I think this is something that he needs, and I think it's something that... Would do you a lot of good as well. Aye, I can see it. I've earned it. Aye. I'll miss you a lot. You've been my good right hand. I couldn't have done all this without you. I couldn't have done it without any of them, but I've relied on your wisdom a lot. But I've learned a lot from you as well. I'm ready I'm ready for you to I'm ready for this. I'm ready to look after the place without you for a while. No doubt you haven't thought of everything. No. But nobody ever does. No, I'm not saying I'll be able to see all the plots and plans and things as well as you could if you were here, but I've got plenty of smart people behind me to keep an eye out for the things that I miss. And I I can't believe where my life has brought me. It's... If I could go back and speak to that eight-year-old girl in the snow... She shrugs slightly. She'd never believe it. Will you be... And Caelan will tap the side of the Earth's face for a minute. Letting this go at some point, do you think? It depends how things go over the next few years. As it's turned out, Tristan is better at concealing his appearance than I am. <laughs> In the first world, we can be anyone, anything. Because he can now cast much higher in disguise spells <laughs> than she can. Yeah. And he can trivially turn the two of them into whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take, um, when, when he gets six little spells, I'm going to take Veil as one of them. Excellent. Which allows you to change the appearance of you and anyone else around you as long as you're concentrating on it. Yeah. So can, they can just look like any sort of fairy creatures for as long as they want forever. Yeah, awesome. Um, when I come back, I don't know. We will see what we will see. It's entirely possible that me turning out to be a half-orc would not be the most shocking secret that had ever hit this kingdom. I, I think quite possibly not. She says, like, looking slightly embarrassed about this because she's made a big deal out of it all her life and yep. now realised that actually, you know, maybe it's not the defining be-all and end-all. But I can hardly fault you for that. I've spent a lot of time and energy and sweat worrying over my humanity or lack thereof. But I think if there's one thing that this place has given the two of us, it's a place to be who we really are. And now, it wasn't exactly my intention of building the place, but now that it's um, filled up with uh, centaurs and fey and kobolds and the like, it may be that this is a place where being a half-fork isn't such a, isn't such of a deal. And if you're planning to travel the uh, first world, you'll doubtless find that um, you're still boringly human as far as they're, they're concerned. I imagine I'll see a lot stranger, but that's what the cold iron is for. That's the tower shield. <laughs> well, I can't really imagine you'll run into too much that the two of you can't take care of between you, particularly considering your um, considerable ability to get out of there if um, you do face trouble you can't fight. Indeed. Which is a considerable comfort, speaking as the um, 
man who spent no few more, no few few hours galloping out of places with yeah. an unconscious with Tristram unconscious and bleeding over my saddlebow. Yeah, Tristram <laughs> just goes standard action. Let's go to the elemental plane of water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but on some level to Kaelin, he's always going to be the hideously fragile guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep him safe, of course, and he'll do the same for me. I, I know I don't have any worries on that score, or that's saying something, given it's me. And if I do unveil when I come back, it'll be in no small part because you've showed me that you can be a monster and a man. I owe you a lot, and I'd be very glad. I'm very glad that you feel you can take some time for you, after all that you've given everyone else. And I'd be very glad if Tristram got the chance to see a bit more of his world after me dragging him into conflict with it. I'll have a f- think have a few months for things to calm down, Alan, after all this, and then there'll be... No harm if the two of you want to take off. I expect, um, so I'm going to assume at this point that Aldous has mentioned that he's at some point, given that we've been having family dinners, that he's not planning to stick around indefinitely. Aldous and Gressel have said they're here for the the duration of the prison crisis kind of thing. And Um, considering... Effectively, they are sticking around um, at this point as the months have stretched on until Gressel is given birth and then probably for a couple of months after. And that's they're what planning Cal- on going off back to their own lives. That was what Caelan was hoping because, um, I mean, at this point, Gressel will be kind of um, seven or eight months pregnant. Yes, she, is noted- she is notably pregnant at this point. People can see the big stomach. And um, Caelan's very keen for them to stick around so that he can meet his um, new, new nephew or yeah, niece. Yeah, which is entirely intentional. Yeah, but that's... Um, you are heading for a niece this time, based on what the midwives say. Yay! I would like to name her Rosemary Thor. And Aldous is making faces about, you know, a, a daughter. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I was thinking Rose Thorn. <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, because that way, um, Zoe's Pokemon name is retroactively the name of an actual Thor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yes, so... His uh, father and Crystal um, will be off in a few months as well, so the place will be a little quieter. She's not your niece, is she? She'd be your half sister. Oh yeah, that's true. Yes, she's my half sister. Possibly your quarter sister, depending on how you define it. No, no, um, she's because she's just because yeah, Elvis is a half sister. She'd be a half sister. I got the same father, different mother. Yeah, I got confused. Yeah, no, of course. And like a thirty-year age gap. Yeah, if Van and Switlana have any more kids, they'll be my nephews and nieces. Yes. Which is, I figure is entirely possible because Svetlana's relatively young at Very this stage. Very much so. You, you would actively expect it. Both, yeah. Both of them like children. Van has no children. Yeah. And would want a, someone who would be but they are waiting, some, somewhat an heir. They are also waiting out the duration of the current crisis. Yeah, yeah. Make, makes good sense. Um, the thorns will spread like a, like a wild plague over the land. Yeah. Uh, the main thing is this will always be the this will always be here to come back to. This will always be home. Good. You can take as much time as you like, but I'll be glad to have you back when you do come back. Thank you, Caitlin, for for everything. And she will take the veil off, come round the table, actively give you a big hug and a yeah. kiss on the cheek. And uh, likewise, Lass, I couldn't have done it without you. 
And then she sits back down and doesn't put the veil back on again. Sweet. Um, she notably does not unveil in public remotely, but yeah. when the two of you are having really private meetings, she will talk to you as a half-orc. Sweet. That's awesome. That's good. I think that's a good first step. And she takes this pretty seriously. Like, it's we're not just having dinner. We're having a private dinner, you know, in yeah. my house where it's safe. Yeah, yeah. You are welcome to talk to Elders as well, if you desire. This one will be... So this has sort of been taking place over the months. Yeah. And this one will be in the last month where um, the first one, Kaelin's Treasury, succeeded, where a bunch of new building is going on, and Kaelin is pretty much at this point armoured up and clearly heading towards... Heading out? Boy. Looks like you're about... Re- looks like you're ready to be about some business. I'll be heading out soon. I'm glad. Triss seems to be settling in well. He's he's a strong boy. Um, I wish it had gone down this way, but I'm proud of what he's turned into. I saw my. He watched out. He watched out for the kids when I couldn't be there for them. That meant a great deal to me. He did a man's job. It's nice to know. And in your case, too, that the blood means something, as well as just the lack of nurture. (laughs) I guess, um, I know you have regrets, but I wanted to thank you for what you've taught me and the time that we have known each other better. I've learned a lot from you one way or another, and this place has partly come out of that as well. I'm, I know things didn't always go the way you wanted them to, but the thorns, I'm proud of what they are now, and I learned a lot of that from you. This will always be a place where people are, will be coming and going, um, heading off on adventures and the like, but this will always be a place where we can come home to. I find myself surprised to realise that I've learned quite a lot from you too, boy. That mm. not so much about the politics. You're getting there, give it another 15 years seasoning. <laughs> but about family, about life. Makes me wish things had been different, but we can't change what is, we can only change what'll be. I'll be a good father to Rosemary. We'll see if the name fits the face. I liked elders. <laughs> but then, my father was... Well, I'll just be glad he wasn't your father. I have, um... I'm, I am. <laughs> I really... I, I'm glad I never got the opportunity to meet him from the from what I've heard. Oh, I, I'm lo- looking forward to um, meeting the li- little one. We could certainly use a, few more, a bit more female blood around here. And, uh... I'm hoping that um, you'll bring her back. I know you you and Chris will want to be out adventuring again, but I'm counting on you to bring her back every so often so that I can see her grow up. As long as the kingdom's got a port, there's always a place a ship can go. <laughs> I can see that, and as we've got quite a few. But thank you for everything, Father. You've done well, boy. You really have. Now, go out there and save your kingdom. Bye.
are we leaving it there or are we just pausing there? Uh, let's pause there and go up for walk and then I thought we'd do the very earliest bit of the um, starting on the Fey adventure. Good means, good means. So Kaelin and the party head out to the Thousand. to a Thousand Voices. Yes, so um, to begin with, um, Kaelin is going to take a... The black rock feather, uh, the dark wood helm, and the wave bottle as his three items yep. that he's taking with him, and give and Tristram can take three of the others. Yep. Um, and then um, basically, Kaelin and Tristram are going to head towards the castle where the castle would be, while um, the other three set up a camp that's going to need to. Be there for multiple days. Very much so. So they have come out. They will set up a campsite, basically a um, hundred meters or so out from the actual archway of the Castle of Knives. Um, and um, what they might do is um, this being Michaela, she will sort of look at this thing. And say, Incredible. We should. Experiment with this before we get too closely in. Yes, I think Tristan will be a wise one to take with you. He can at least bring you back out again. And her demand is that you test this several times to see how it works in all possible functionalities. Yeah. So we'll, um, I, I want to do an on-screen into the castle all, all for the first real time, but before that we'll do several practice runs with various people activating it in various combinations. Yeah, so... Um, one of the, and, and I'll just speed through this, yeah. I think. You find a couple of different things. Um, one of which is that if you go through with all the trophies, then the Castle of Knives disappears again. And nobody on this side can see it. You can step back through, but they can't, um, there's nothing there for them to interact with anymore. Yeah. If you leave any of the trophies behind at all, the Castle of Knives remains. So given you've got like seven at this point. Yeah, I've got, um, Yes, I've got seven, so... Um, yeah, so Michaela suggests they keep one. Yeah. So that they can keep it open. It's To be honest, it's probably not going to do all that much, but it'll at least make them feel better. You haven't yeah. disappeared off the face of reality. So we'll leave them with the rainbow eggshell, because Bryn and Michaela um, got that one. Yep, from the Hunger Dark. Yeah. Um, what you will find is you and Tristan can step through, and you can step back again fairly easily. Um, you and Tristan can step through and you can plane shift back again. Um, you and Tristan can step through, but you cannot pass the trophies through without going through. You throw them back through the archway on their own and nothing happens. From your point of view, the outer world disappears and you're now yeah. in the first world. You throw it through and it lands on the arch- other side of the archway in the first world. Yeah. And of course, if you walk them back through, there then Michaela can come in, but Tristan can't yeah. come in. Yeah, absolutely. Et cetera, et cetera. So that's what is happening here, and yes, I agree, um, Svetlana, Michaela, and um, Bryn will set up a campfire. Yeah. Um, Michaela, and, and Michaela and Svetlana start pitching their tents. Yeah. Um, but Svetlana's still, you know, the outdoors. Yeah. Bryn's like, yes, the out- yes, the outdoors. Yeah. She's probably wandering around the campsite smelling things for the luxury. Yeah, yeah for the sheer joy of doing it. Yeah. Um, we stand on the threshold of the castle 
and um, Kalem will reach for his neck and tap where an amulet that isn't there anymore used to rest. Trusted rubs his ring slightly that isn't there anymore. Oh, lady, I wish it hadn't come to this. For my will is as strong as yours, and my My kingdom kingdom is as great. Let me pass. No power over me. And you step forward <laughs> yeah. and push at that wall of will and it pushes back against you and then you resist and you step through. And so I will turn you to the beautiful map inside his picnic that you have because yes. no doubt Tristan will have um, read through this extensively yeah, again before you go in. Yeah, and I imagine um, we've probably had someone make a copy because it's an extremely rare book. Yes. Like, we're taking the original, but we've got a copy. We now have a copy in our library in case anything happens to this one. Yeah, it's it's actually very hard to copy because keep in mind what you are looking at is not a straightforward set of instructions where Zadiga says... I went left, I went right, mm. I doubled back along this. They are secret instructions written into his illustrations. Yeah. So you have had your best illustrator, which would be Michaela, with her craft painting, copy this. But frankly, if you burn your copy of the book, it's possible you will lose this information. Yeah. Because um, you you need Zadiga himself to produce these. Awesome. So I can see that there's a gate, there's a giant gateway in the wall at the bottom. Is yeah. that where we're coming in? There is indeed. Um, what you will find is that that map is accurate except for the fact that one path does not connect to another so so easily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think we can implicitly assume the double back fallacy of nightmares. Um, you know. Jump sideways through this hedge, and yes. now you're on the other side. Pass. Yes, I'll, I'll go into that as we get. Yeah. At, at least for the first little bit. Um, but as far as the play is concerned, it's a nice linear forest map because you can look at that in a picture and see where you are. All right. So you and Tristan step through the archway in the Castle of Knives. So what you have is this castle balustrade made of shimmering mirrors that show you different places and different times, and. As you step out the other side and look around behind you, the Castle of Knives has disappeared. Um, there, uh, which, how would you like this described? Are you looking forward into it, or are you turn, immediately turning around and looking back into it? I think Kelm will turn around and look back into it. Okay. So, what you see here... Um, is that there are a pair of powerful-looking fae, one a tall, noble-looking man, the other a cold, beautiful-looking woman, uh, not Mab and Oberon directly, but very clearly mm-hmm. strongly influenced by them. And then there is a third one, sort of the size of about a 10- or 12-year-old child, um, who is built into the statue of Oberon, kind of climbing over his shoulder. Yeah. Um, and Oberon and Mab are holding two swords out and forming an archway, and that is what you have just come through. And the stat- little statue of Puck there is holding up a smaller sword and yeah. leaning in behind Oberon, somewhat concealed from sight. Yeah. Um, when you pass through this, when you look out the other side, what you can see is there's a nice wide pathway there, easily big enough to fit three or four horses abreast, no problem. It looks like a pleasant, well-travelled forest road. To either side of you, there are thick 
trees that go up and up and up. You can see the horizon, but these are big trees, 200-odd feet tall, um, which is, I can convert yeah, to yeah, no, no, that's form, okay. but they are, they are tall, sort of oaken-style trees, classic um, Sherwoodian mm. forest. Um, and when you look through the other side... Looking back to where the material plane was, the path simply seems to go on towards the horizon, just drifting off into the woods to nowhere in particular that you can see. And your friends, their campsite... Friends and the campsite. Your friends, the campsite and the material plane, it is as if they were never there. Moreover, when you step through this archway properly and step through... All three swords on the statue that is making up the archway on this side begin to glow with a faint green light, and as do yours on your back and your hips and things. After about a minute or so of this, the effect just disappears. It doesn't seem to harm you in any fashion, but it's it's almost like walking through a metal detector. Turning around... What you see is the same beautiful pathway moving off through the forest. Um, again, thick forest on every side, about 200 foot tall trees. Um, and as you look up, when did you go in? I think dawn. Dawn? It's yeah. got a nice symbol. Yeah, so you, to you've it. sort of camped outside. Yeah. So there's still a fire burning behind. When you go in, it is as if an entire day has passed. When you look up, the sun is just over the horizon, but Kaelin is enough of a survivalist, because you don't need to be much of a one, to know the sun is going down or yeah. coming up. It is twilight here, as if 12 hours have just disappeared somewhere into the ether. This part is not immediately obvious to Kaelin, but will become rapidly so as you progress through the fable. Um, the sun never moves. It is perpetually twilight here. It is certainly, um, it is bright enough for people with low light vision to see with ease. Kalen, of course, has no trouble with his dark vision. But it is a perpetual twilight, and Tristan looks up at him. Oh. Oh, it's so beautiful. Look at it. The last moments of an ending. Caught in a perpetual twilight. It's no wonder they call it the house at the end of time, the queen of forgotten time. It's like this always. It's so beautiful and still. And he reaches over off the road and touches one of the trees and sort of takes a breath and a shudder. It's so alive. All of it. It's incredible. And Kaelin glances round slightly admiringly, but mostly uneasily. Yeah. This is, um... And it is uneeringly still here, like the quietest part of a day in a forest. No, there, there is the faintest twitter of sort of bird song, and if you strain your ears, some vague animal life, but it all sounds distant and muted from you. This particular part in the archway is just very still and very peaceful. It's... Ah, it is beautiful, but... 
It's not safe. Well, but still... No, but nowhere in the world is, really. True enough. We're in no specific hurry. You can take a few moments and look about you before we um, head off down the path. Oh, very much so. Uh, I'm certainly on my magical horse. Are you on my magical horse? Yeah, so explicitly at this point... Um, Windchaser is not with me, but he is in the camp. He he is at the campsite, so that I have the option of taking him out with me. But yeah, because yeah, I've taken, so. but because I've taken Tristram initially, we're starting with the magic yeah, contract along with a bunch of other horses and that sort of thing. Yeah, you've come down here assembled with Michaela unnecessarily for like at least three weeks worth of camping. Yeah. Well, I mean, who knows how long this is going to take? Very much so. I mean, we've got you know. Probably another six months before Titania yeah. can launch an attack on, yeah, the, you, on us again. As as far as you can determine from your base experiments, time seems to flow the same. Like you step out, you step in. Michaela says, "Yeah, you've been gone thirty seconds to a minute." Yeah, but that isn't necessarily going to stay true. Yeah, it, it, you know, we could run into places where time flows more quickly or more slowly yeah. while we're in there. But they're certainly not. They're out the. Your PCs outside are certainly not going to run out of supplies, among other things. Svetlana goes, well, I'll be back in, you know, 20 minutes. Goes yeah. back to town, teleports back with a giant bag of holding. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we could literally have them resupplied from the castle. Yeah. But considering Svetlana can teleport and, you know, isn't going to have anything to do with their spells most days. So we spend, you know... About half an hour letting Tristram um, poke around and explore, just enjoy the area. Yeah. And then um, we move on whether he's ready to or not. <laughs> so two things that are in his wheelhouse that he can do, um, and one that you can do for that matter, is you both now have flying horses so you can fly up at any given point and see what's up. Yeah. And look over tree lines and where it goes and that sort of thing. Um, you can... Um, and Tristan now has his abilities back, so he can speak with the trees, speak with the speak with the earth, yeah, speak with anything because um, stones will weep. Stones will weep. He has it back again. Yay! And I believe it is he can speak with stone, he can speak with plants, and he can speak with animals. Cool. So there are no animals here that you can see to speak to, but there are definitely plants and stones. Yeah if he wants to talk to either of those. Um, so it depends what your percentage is on letting him play with that sort of thing. Um, and if you want to uh, question the plants or anything in that neighborhood, I'm just reminding you of what capacities you yeah, have. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably pretty good to go forward and see, see what's, what, what's out here yep. at this stage. So uh Tristan will absolutely want to fly up on his magic horse and take a look. That's fine with me. So we fly up on our magic horses and take a look at the general area. Yep, and you fly up, get it, trying to get above the tree line and Man, these trees are tall. <laughs> they're they're about two hundred foot taller than you, and you realise after you've tried this for about a minute or so, no matter how high the horse flies, the trees are always taller than you. Right. And when you turn around and go to land again, you do so almost instantaneously, as if you've gone no more than 40 or 50 feet up. So this, there are some problems so, that flying is not going to surmount here. It's effectively you fly up, 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 and as far as you're concerned from your visual acuity, as in terms of how high the trees are, you're still down here. Yeah. And when you turn to land, 
you do so fairly rapidly. Yeah. He says, huh. Well, isn't that amazing? I guess there's no quick way through the forest, then. We certainly won't be flying over it. Nay. That makes a certain amount of sense. I mean, um, this Zuniga fellow may not have had the resource, but, um, if it was easy, if, if there was an easy way to get round this, people wouldn't need such a complicated route. And I'm betting, he says, and urges the horse forward and tries to pick his way through, through the trees and just mm. arbitrarily enter the tree line and is out. Gets very dense very quickly and very hard to pick your way through here. It's like walking into a wall of thorns. You can yeah. force your way in, but you actively hurt yourself in the process. And Tristan says, well, I think we can... I think we can safely say here that I can roll a knowledge of planes check. Yeah. Mm-hmm. FYI, just when I was sorting through treasure, um, mounted on um, Castle Stagthorn's walls now is not only the golden Jabberwocky head, but also the head of Marissa Shard. Yeah. Because Bryn would like it known that she too can take, that, you know, this castle's collection of giant monsters that have been taken down includes the one that she took down with Michaela. So, uh, I'll just check takes for him to talk to the trees, but I don't think it's much. And if these plants, if these trees could speak what stories they would tell us. We've, we've got a minute, right? I... <laughs> and he gets off his horse and steps over and steps to the tree and just puts, bends its branches around him like in a hug and begins to sing softly to it and nods as if he's hearing things back again. And he says, ah, well, the trees are not necessarily on our side. I never thought they would be. I mean, yeah. this is uh, this is her kingdom. And actively makes a diplomacy check versus the trees. Yeah. And passes it. Well, good news. They're not hostile. They're not hostile to us. They don't spy for her. They won't speak with her or anything in that neighborhood. But they're a part of her in some way. All of this land is... You know how, like, when you're riding through Stagthorn, you can feel the power of the land beneath you and viewing you as the king? Ah. Uh. Well, okay, you know how, if you've been in a forest, in particularly one within Stagthorn's borders, you can feel the life energy radiating out from the trees? Ah. Uh. Okay. You know how a particularly beautiful waterfall can sometimes inspire you? Yeah, I, I, I know that. It's a little bit like that. <laughs> this, the fable is Titania in some way. It's a part of her power, a part of her will, a part of who and what she is. This is her plane, her realm at the end of time made up of the last remnants of the first world, as far as these trees are concerned, they've been here forever. And they have. They've been here since the first world was the first world. These are the original things. It's like I theorised before. If we can bring the fable out, 
of the first world, bring it to the material plane, she'll lose some part of her power if we can sever her connection to the land, more of it again. So you said if we defeat more of her champions. Correct. The trees are linked to her. She she is their power and they are her power, but in the, in the same way, we could, in theory, cut down a tree, although please don't, they're beautiful. I wouldn't dream of it. But it would only do the same as, say, cutting down a blade of grass wood outside Elk's Rest. Or trying to defeat you by cutting off a piece of your hair. Yes. As opposed to, say, bringing down the castle with siege engines or cutting off one of my arms. Those would bring you both a great deal closer to taking the city. Ah. And in any case, as I look at this um, remarkably simplified map in this here book, it looks like we'd have to defeat some of them to get to her anyway. We're certainly not leaving them at our backs. It's beautiful here. Timeless and ageless. I don't think anything here is going to harm us. Well, uh, not directly in the land itself. It's not that sort of place. It's so still. Uh, and he starts looking into its planar characteristics and that sort of thing. Ah, uh, yes, that's useful information. Uh, and tells you that uh, the fable is essentially its own demiplane within the first world. Yep. Um, that there is only one way in, yep. which is the way you have just taken. There are, however, multiple ways out, in that you know now you can just plane shift back out again. Yeah. Um, you plane shift to the material plane and you end up back where you were. Yeah, so um, what's, what kind of an action is that? I know Tristan's wearing an amulet of plane shift. I believe it's just a standard. He activates Sweet. the amulet. He needs to make an intelligence check to, to end up on the, the right, right plane, plane of existence he's aiming yeah. for, but because it's Tristan, he can. Yeah. And because there's Michaela there who will politely demand that he does a bunch of things, what he tries is wherever he goes when he plane shifts out of here... No matter the destination he intends, he ends up back outside of the Castle of Knives. He cannot move from here to the Elemental Plane of Fire. Yeah. He can only move to the Material Plane outside the Archway, and then he can Plane Shift. That makes sense, because this is effectively locked to a certain extent. Um, Yes, so exiting this place is no particular concern to you. Sweet. Um, as long as you have Tristan with you, and as long as he has the ambulance planes, yep. you're out. Excellent. You would assume, Ergo, anyone that can cast plane shift would be able to replicate the effect, be it for a um, fifth-level spell slot, yeah. whatever it entails. Uh, secondly, he tells you that um, the fable is ageless. Um, it is not time-locked, at least in this particular part. Time does not flow any faster or slower, but it is ageless. You are not going to get any older here, and certain things are not going to happen as, as a result. No matter how long you spend in here, your beard will not grow, your hair will not grow. You yourself will grow um, hungry and tired, although to a much lesser extent than you'd expect. You need half as much sleep and um, food as you otherwise would. Yeah. Not that these are huge obstacles to you in the first place. Yeah. Um, but effectively, he then... So, if Trist remained here, then he would have never grown. She must have taken him elsewhere for bubbles of time to let him grow at a time, which explains why he looks like he's about ten years younger than me. And possibly what, in some ways, he's had a longer, he's nonetheless had a longer life. 
he's had a longer time here not aging. Yes. Although I imagine you don't notice such things. It'd be too it'd be very easy to forget in this beautiful stillness. Aye. Like Tristan is really happy with this. You, yeah, um, I, I think the thing is that um, Tristram feels sort of natural for almost the first time in his life, except previous experimental visits to the first world. And Caelan feels ever so slightly uncomfortable, like this isn't where yeah. I'm supposed to be. It's a bit less emphatic than it was in the boneyard, where this really wasn't where I was supposed to be. And but Tristan says, "Oh, you know, what if we tried this, and what if we tried this, and what if we tried that." And we'll do this to the extent you're prepared to indulge him. I think you've got a good limit on sort of after half an hour you're going, let's, let's... Yeah, let's I, I think it's room. probably like half an hour investigate, you know, enjoying the place and finding out things in a more natural sense, and then half an hour talking to the trees and experimenting with the plane yeah. itself. And then after about an hour, Kalen's definitely had about as much as this as he's prepared to tolerate. Do you care what happens if you go um, to the other side of the archway? Uh... Not particularly, but I imagine that Tristram will try it. Yeah, if you're prepared to let him indulge that. Yeah. Um, what he finds is he can go about 200 metres up that road, and then the same thing happens as the trees. The, the road just perpetually stretches to the horizon ahead of him. He never gets any closer to it. So it's a bit like trying to walk off the edge of the map in somewhere like Skyrim? Yes, except there's no invisible wall. Yeah. It's You have the sensation that you are continuing to walk, it's just the road gets further ahead in front of you without actually changing. And, I, and Tristan tells you that this is effectively a closed-off demiplane. It only yeah. occupies so much physical space and reality. And the edges and the top as well are basically a soft, semi-illusory map. All right, Ken, I, I, I know you're excited to be here, but it's about time we were actually walking down that road at this point. Oh, uh, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> And dun, 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 dun. riding down into our magical, very fast horses. Yep. And what you will find is that this is actually a long, long road. You definitely are moving. The road turns. There are differences in the trees next to you. You don't have the impression you're just endlessly passing the same place or yep. stuck in a loop or staring at an invisible... Um, I don't know what we'd call that. An endless horizon? Uh, yeah, I, I think I know what you mean. You're yeah. going forward, but the world is coming no closer to you. Yeah, so you're, we're, we're actually moving, which is not irrelevant given we're, the things we just tried. Here you are absolutely heading down a road. It is merely quite a long one. Yeah. To get from the archway on this map to the next point, which is that lake you can see, yeah. takes you about um, uh, what would be an hour's walk on foot. Yeah. Um, given that you are doing it on super fast horses, it is substantially faster. Yeah. So you because they move at um, ten times human speed or yeah. something like that. So you end yeah. up doing it in about ten minutes. But nonetheless, Kaylin is painfully aware that this is like crossing hexes kind of thing. Yeah. It's a big plane, and what you see is nothing but the same thing: beautiful trees that change from time to time, vines and things like that. The illusion of bird song and creatures in the woods, although nothing ever close enough to see or sight. And according to Zadiga's picnic, to get there, Zadiga merely follows the road forward. Cool. So that is what you do. So there are no tricks, traps, or difficulties in this. Um, and eventually, the forest and the beautiful road begin to clear, 
and what you see is a broad lake of dark water in a glen surrounded by this wide forest road. There are dozens of black swans guiding along on the lake's surface, and there is a large vortex in the middle of it, a whirlpool that is perpetually pulling the swans down, and then they simply take flight, land back at the top of it, and start winding down again. The whole thing is eerily silent. The, the vortex in the whirlpool makes no sound of any kind, nor do the swans. It's just the background of the tree sound continues. Um, there are a bunch of trees and things around the outside, but these ones that are actually on the road appear to be dead as if they have been struck by lightning. Strangely, It's a strangely unpleasant thing. Yeah. Something like this, and Tristan looks at it. Oh. Well, this is a little eerie, but also a little beautiful. This looks like what uh, Father spoke of. Yes. The lake and the swans. That's what he and Crystal fought and nearly got drowned. It, it must have linked through. This must be... The bloom we saw must be some aspect of the manifestations of this glade. I'm... Gla- be- glancing at the map, it looks like several of them are. That that up there looks like the, where the Nightmare Rook perches. Yes. I would say that what came through in many cases has a place here of some kind. This is probably where Svetlana and Van ended up, somewhere in here, when they chased the, where they chased the Misbegotten Troll uh, and got lost. So is there something that we're meant to fight here? Jesus. Well... Let's find out. And he moves forward towards the lake's edge. And because it is Tristan, who is absolutely the right person for this job, he starts calling out to the swans in a Sylvan-esque sort of tone that makes no sense to you as he starts speaking with animals and calling across to the swans. And they, at this point, begin producing sound. A series of harsh barks back to him, which he just sort of nods sublimely at. Um... Uh, they say there used to. They say there used to be things in the water. A blink of an eye ago, I think translating for the ageless and timelessness, there, these swans may have been here forever as well. Uh, that would be maybe months ago, from our point of view. There were creatures in the water, water elementals, but they're gone now. They went through. Eldis, Eldis and Cressel defeated them. So there's nothing here that needs that that we need to fight per se. No, I don't think so. All right. We just need to see what Zaliga said next, and you flip open Zaliga's picnic and start reading it. And at this point, I'm going to I'm not going to necessarily give you instructions from yeah. place to place per se, but at this point, you can see several paths leading out of the glades. Yeah. You can try following them, or you can try following the secret instructions in Zadigus Picnic, whatever you prefer. Let's take a look at the secret instructions in Zadigus Picnic. So in this particular case, Zadigus says, you know, the the simple story, the children's story, says something to the equivalent of, I came upon a great lake of black swans, and the wretched crow with my spoon flew over it. Into the water I went pursuing him, and that's the end of the instruction. But looking at the picture of these weird 
black swans that are staring at the reader and all the shadows looming around and the little hidden instructions drawn in the picture. Uh, between the land and the, between land and water, one foot wet and one foot dry, arc left no more than a quarter, turn and the path arrives. Off to the left here? So what actually happens is following this, you put one foot in the lake and one foot on land, or in this case your horse's hooves, and sort of walk around and actually make your way past the path around here until you get a quarter of the way around the lake, and then it simply tells you the path will appear, and as you walk around you can see something that absolutely wasn't there before, it was just the same thick tree line, but now there is an open path passing through it. Sweet! That was not there until you walked a quarter of the way around the lake with one foot in the water. And um, Tristan doesn't really care to play with this. He's perfectly happy to take it, uh, take reality as it lies. Kaelin yeah. can if he wants to. No, Kaelin is also perfectly happy to take reality. Like as you're it sort lies. of you're sort of assuming if you did things like did this without one foot in the water, nothing. There'd be no path here to follow. Yeah. And you head down the path, and then you find again the path runs for a good long time, weaving and winding through the trees. The whirling shore falls behind you entirely and disappears from sight. And then you find yourself coming out of a path. And this time, what you are looking at is something fantastically beautiful. It is a waterfall. You are coming out of the bottom of a waterfall that is cascading down from a cliff. At the top of it, there appear to be two immense, beautifully carved stone hands, a woman's hands with beautiful long nails, opening to allow the waterfall to slip through her fingers and crash down below. And it is tumbling into a large pool in this glade, the pool being crystal clear. It shores like a little miniature beach of beautiful white sand around, and there are water flowers floating in it, each one as big as your fist, and leaves the size of small boats floating around in the pool, and a number of great trees hanging over it like they are trying to protect it from something. And you are, in fact, here. Right, yep. At this point, and it's at this point you realise that the map as a linear construct is meaningless to you. Yeah. Because it does not take you from point A to point B to point C. Yeah. It takes you from point A to point F to point Q to point Y. Uh, wow. Okay. This is beautiful. That... That is fantastic. All right. Let's just take a moment and look at this, eh? And Kaelin and Fristrom just stand there for 10 or 15 minutes yeah. looking at the waterfall because, you know, Kaelin and Corwin actually spent longer than that admiring the, uh, the waterfall and the material plane that was a bit like this. This one is producing uh, perfectly normal noises yeah. and that sort of thing. Other than the large scale of it, it's working like a real-world waterfall. Yeah. You think these leaves are actually big enough to support your weight, if you want to go out and um, have a pl- have a poke at them, um, and with, the more you look at the hands, the more you are convinced they are Nerissa's. Yeah, they had a direct depiction of her hands, a bit in giant stone form. All right. Well, 
I'm not saying we want to spend all all our time poking around out here. But as you look at these leaves, they look like you could vote on them. And I have to admit, I am wondering if we want to give that a go before we press on. Absolutely. Alright, so Kalen's going to change out of his armour into his studded leather armour at this point. I mean, technically speaking, your horses can ride across the water, but... Um... But this this seems like yeah. more fun. So Kalen will change temporarily into the studded leather armour and have a go at boating about on the lake. Just yep. because this pl- if we're going to do fey tourism anywhere, this looks like a great place to do it. <laughs> yeah, you know what I can see you doing? Is pulling out the folding boat... And then taking the oars off it. Yeah. And then sitting on the leaf and rolling yeah. the leaf. Yeah. So you sit on this apparently flimsy but basically gigantic autumn green leaf. Yeah. And it holds your weight and Tristan's no problem. Oh, I figured we could each have our own leaf. Oh, yeah, yeah, fair. Because that you, way you he... take an or Tristan takes an or. And we both um, scout about on our own leaves, kind of adventuring together, but not necessarily on the same one. Um, and. You sail around in here, and then you become aware that there is something alive in here, as there are a couple of little tiny splashes around you, and uh, can Kaylin give me a balance check? Sure. That's a seven. Yep. You have no difficulty keeping your balance here. Um, what you realise is that your your leaf boat is starting to rock beneath you. Yeah. Um, that there are several things that are not very strong at all trying to rock and overturn this boat, and that Kaylin comfortably... They can move the leaf, no problem, because yeah. the leaf appears to weigh very little. It's like lifting up a towel, um, despite holding your weight. Kaylin, on the other hand, still weighs a very real 320 pounds. <laughs> um, and you can hear the little splash, 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 <laughs> coming from the water and splash, splash, splash. And when you look down, this gets a lot more mm, rough to the extent that they move to being three times difficult and the leaf is now rocking yeah. slightly back and forward. What you see is there are a bunch of little creatures... Almost the same colour as the clear water, but slightly less translucent and slightly more solid, um, with diaphanous little wings, what look like tiny swimsuit dresses on, and they are little pixies. Oh! And they are rocking the leaf and trying to upend you into the drink. Kaelin doesn't make that noise, to be clear. That's a me noise. And then as, as Kaelin sort of shifts his balance so he doesn't go in the drink, they sort of, here, go, go, and rock the leaf a lot harder, and of course you don't fall out. Yeah, and Kaelin sits there like a big, heavy half-orc. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, irritatingly difficult to step off the leaf. I'm way down there, he says, in Sylvan. And there's a sort of, Eek! splash, 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 followed by... Not more than two seconds go past. Kaylin barely has time to contemplate, did I scare them off? Maybe yeah. I shouldn't have spoken. Should I swim under there? Before their interest in waiting runs out. Yeah. And one pops back out of the water and flies up to you. And what you see is it's clearly a pixie of some kind. It's a little, it's a little woman, about yay high. Uh, certainly no higher. With tiny little elven ears, beautifully done wet hair, trussed up. Little wet swim, 
dress on diaphanous wings. And she says, Hey, big sailor. Hey, little one. And um, Kaelin digs in his bag and gets out a little bit of honeycomb, because yep. this is the kind of... Uh, um, uh, that he carries around and holds it out. He zooms in towards it, presuming that you're giving it to yeah, him. Yeah, absolutely. It's the zoom! <laughs> wow! You're the best sailor we've ever seen. You've got big provisions for the trip all across the lake, and big food. I'm, um, exploring out here with my brother, and he um, gestures over to, I imagine, Tristram is um, quietly paddling up. Yep, Tristan paddles over quietly and hello, waves at them. Hiya, I'm Lynn Ticklewin. That's a good name. It's because of this. And she flies towards your face, dives sort of under your chin, under your beard, and goes <laughs> <laughs> with her tiny wings on your yeah. neck, tickling Caitlin. Caitlin yeah. um, laughs and endeavors to keep his chin up so he definitely doesn't um, bump her. Ha! You laughed, so I know no matter what you look like, you're not a troll. Are there trolls around here? No, no, not trolls. One troll. The misbegotten troll? There's a few more splashes as the pixies dive back under the water to hide from the name. Lim nods. The misbegotten troll. Well, he's not here, of course. He's in his troll hole. Where's his troll hole? Out there, he <laughs> says, and gestures to the, the entire, rest of the, the fable yeah. somewhere. We don't know how to get there, but he comes from his troll hole sometimes. Say, mister, you've got tons of food, and you're the best sailor we've ever seen. I bet you're real good at rescuing pixies, huh? It's uh, not something I've had the opportunity to do before, but it feels like something I could take, turn my mind to. I've rescued a few folk in my day. Oh, okay, no. We need. We really need someone with experience. If you don't know anything about pixies, and you don't know anything about killing trolls... I know lots about killing trolls. <gasps> He's a troll killer! <laughs> <laughs> Going a little pixies in there. I, um, and Caitlin will gesture vaguely, but not specifically as his fire, uh, fire necklace. I've got some fire in that, and uh, I left my armor back on the shore, but I've got a fair amount of armor in the lake. I've fought a good few trolls in my day, and I'd be more than happy to rescue a pixie. Is one of your little friends being captured by the troll, then? The misbegotten troll. He doesn't want us as wives. I don't know why. We're pretty, but maybe we're too small for him. I think there is a bit of a size issue there. But he wants women as wives, yeah? He kidnapped um, a few women I know uh, uh, way back. Say, did you um, see anyone come through here to rescue him? There were some huge, big, clunky people that flew across past here, but they looked very confused. I don't think they saw us all the falls. Oh, I make certain amount of sense. If you stumble in here through the forest, who knows where you'll end up? Ah, uh, yeah, I can see that. Um, and, but the troll, the misbegotten troll doesn't want us as wives, but... His wives have weak little eyes. They can't see and they can't see here properly. She looks up. It's too dark. Can you believe it? Too dark? At the twilight. It doesn't seem very dark. So he comes for us. For lights. For his wives. He took six of my sisters. These appear to all be women. Yeah. Um, he took six of my sisters. 
and he put them in little cages of light. Well, that doesn't seem to be very nice. I think the mean witch can, and I think the mean witch made them special lights because they keep them in. We should be able to get out, and she vanishes right in front of yeah. your eyes, only to appear a step behind your head and flies around in front of you again. But we can't. Or at least they can't. I think so, because they didn't come back. He stuck them in his little lights. That's why we, that's why we don't go too far from Pixholm. It's a good idea. But of course, we have to swim. I mean, you've got to swim, right, mister? Yeah, if I live near this, I'd want to swim in it. So we come out and we swim. But the misbegotten troll came, and he took some of my sisters, but if you can get him back, mister, I'll give you something really cool. Well, sounds good to me. I'd be more than happy to. Um, we'll um, see what we can figure out about... Uh, uh, do you think that the lights will be in his house? Where he, where that's he where lives? His, that's where his wives are. Has he got women there now? She shrugs her shoulders. Dunno. The misbegotten troll always needs more wives. I think I, he goes through them. Yeah, I can imagine that. Alright, well let's hope he's out for the moment. Alright, um, my brother and I will um, do our best to track down his lair. If we can break the little light things and get your sisters out, will they be able to find their own way back to you? She sort of looks at you slightly baffled by this and says, Well, I mean, sure. You fly into the trees and you end up where you're supposed to be. Doesn't exactly work for those of us who aren't born born to live here, I think. She turns around... Um, rapidly flies across the lake into the tree line and then just pops out the tree line at the other side of the lake and flies towards the back of your head again. Yeah. She's easy, 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 easy. All good. All right, I'd be more than happy to. You're not from round here, are you? Nay, I'm from the mortal plane. He's not from round here. He's from another dimension. <laughs> He's a little weird. A little wild. <laughs> okay, Callum's dead. <laughs> Alright, and um, Callum at this time is going to um, boat back to the edge of the water and um, dig out some supplies and set up a little pixie breakfast. Because, you know, you don't need very much food to feed pixies. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely not going to expend his whole range of fairy treats. Yeah. But he's actually, for some reason, carries quite a few little things that fairies would like. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's about 20 or 30 pixies in the lake, which yeah. does not consume more than, like, just a single honey cake worth of food. Yeah. And... Kind of set up on the floor. That's a lot of food. Hey, mister, do you want to see Pixie Hole? Yeah, I'd be very happy to. She flies back across the lake, gets you to row back across yeah. in the leaf, and when you get to the waterfall, um, she sort of gestures in there. But you know, you're, you're going to get wet. That doesn't matter, right? No, I can't say that and it does. Looks at you and maybe just stick your head through instead of your big plonky stompy feet. <laughs> yeah. So Kaelin will sort of balance on the rock yep. and then just sort of peer through, getting yep. the repetitive drumming on the head. So. And Which hurts a bit, but no, not so much that Kayla notices. Inside the waterfall, um, set sort of maybe 30 feet back into the natural cavern that's opened up behind here, there is a tiny village full of little burning torchlight. It, it looks perfectly like a village, except built in miniature. Tiny little washing lines in there. 
tiny little houses, and there are a bunch of male pixies in here walking around, um, carrying what appear to be, many of them carrying what appear to be tiny backpacks that are basically straps with tiny little baby pixies that are about this big mm-hmm, in them. Mm-hmm. They're about the size of the head of a needle. Um, and you see the tiny baby pixie with its tiny, tiny wings and its tiny little eyes blink sleepily. And she says, she says, here's pixie home, menfolk, you know, for cooking and cleaning and raising the children's. I am. But hungry menfolk, they would love some honey cake too. Kale right, will supply. Um, Kale. All right. Well, what about um? Kale will duck his head back out of the walk floor and talks to me. What about I set up some stuff on the lake and you bring it to them and then I don't have to. Um, I don't want the water to damage it or whatever. I'm sure you're better at getting stuff like that in and out. Sure, sure. They just they just appear to just get wet and it doesn't yeah. trouble them in any way. They're obviously some sort of aquatic pixies. So I will. Aquatic pixies. Yes. Aquatic pixies. Yes. So Kaelin will set up some supplies for the female pixies and some for them to take home to their men and babies. Yep. Awesome. And they, and Lim starts telling the men in the cave, just sort of shouting out yeah. in a little voice, This is big sailor! This is best sailor! Yeah. He's got giant-sized food and he's going to save our sisters! Yay! It's really hard to m- remain manly under this much provocation. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's right. I'm, I'm just about done at this point. <laughs> Squee! Alright, so, um, I would imagine that Tristram is pretty happy here. Yeah, very much so. I imagine he wants to see Pixie home and, um, talk to the Pixies as we give them some breakfast and things of that nature. Yep. So, we kind of hang out with the Pixies for a little bit because, um, Kaelin is unable to resist feeding them. And then, um, I'm calibrating for madliness, but there's only so far that this is pretty boss. Then it's like, and then I'm going to talk to Tristan and say, all right, so if we look at this map and the notes from Zadiga, can we work out where the troll lair is? I mean, I'm assuming it's probably close to here in some description because, uh, you know, he's coming over here to, to kidnap these um, these ladies. I don't know. Uh, certain denizens of the fir- certain denizens of the fable must have the ability to go through. Tristan never described anything like this. He just ended up where he wanted to go. I suppose it's to some extent depending on Nurse's will. I can, I can try to get us there. I don't know quite where we'll end up, though. Well, let's have a go. I'd like to... We're sure to stumble across it sooner or later. We, he was one of the ones on our list to take out, yeah? Yes. If we can defeat the misbegotten troll, he will undoubtedly leave us a trophy of some kind and further sever the fable's connection. I don't want to, um, I don't, we may not necessarily wind up fighting them all, I don't know how that goes down, but I'd like to take him out, both for that advantage and to, um, see if we can get these little, little folk free. So, the Pixies are pretty charmed by you, by virtue of feeding them, you now can't fail the charisma checks, so I'm not bothering to have you make them. Yeah. Um, and they find the two of you charming and are totally prepared to chat about everything but what they know is very little. Um, yeah. They absolutely know that Titania is the queen of end time. Yeah. The queen of forgotten time, that this is her realm. Um, that she used to be Nerissa, but now she's Titania because big folk are weird. Yeah. Um, that, and, you know, these are just facts, like the sun comes up or how yeah. gravity works. But they know nothing terribly useful about um, what is here, except to tell you that... Um, 
The only thing they have ever seen flying over the tree lines is the Nightmare Rook. Nothing else. Yeah. Um, but they have not seen him for a little tiny while. Yeah. Again, sort of a couple of blinks of an eye. So, after we have said goodbyes and um, promised that we'll do our best to free the little pixie friends, yep. um, as we're walking down the path, Kalen says, so if this place comes closer to Galerion, and if Titania dies, what happens to this place and all the tiny pixie families? It'll be pulled through. Uh, this waterfall will come to exist, probably not in this exact same geographic spot, but somewhere within the Forest of Thousand Breaths, I would say. Uh, they'll be as fine as any other pixie that exists in Galerian. Good. The only, the only point of difference is that they'll begin to age. Or perhaps not, it's possible they've been, if they're, if they're denizens of this place, if they've always been here, it's possible they may remain ageless. It's also possible they'll become mortal and But pixies in the like are very long lived, aren't they, even in our world? Absolutely. I, I would expect them to live for several hundred years. No, I wouldn't think anything we do here is going to over discommodate them. There may be a few bumps, a few little broken washing lines, that sort of thing. Well that's alright. That's um I was um managing alright because it's all fey and strange and you know, I didn't mind so much. But that's um that's a pretty special place. Yes, but if it just coming to exist in Galerion isn't so bad. And the little folk can always um, travel back to the first world if they want to. There'll be other places in that Anatelk if they're not comfortable there. Other than the inherent illogic of how the fable connects to itself and how one path goes to another, everything in here that we've seen could exist within Galerion, at least in most fashions. Like, the waterfall vortex that goes nowhere would probably stop. The trees would probably stop being higher than you are perpetually, but they would still be actual trees. All right, well, what does Suttiger's book say where we go next? Because I, myself, am wondering if this trail down here might lead to the troll. What's Zadiger's, What's the next direction in Zadiger's book? Okay. It says, we need to get... So the top of the waterfall, he climbed up the cliff. We can do it a lot easier. He says, yes, on the horse and just flies up there. Yeah. And again, what you see is it looks like the cliff sort of curves up and there are trees kind of growing up here and then trees at the top. And as you fly up, you can indeed reach the top of the falls, but the trees are still 200 feet yeah. above you. Except when you look down, you can now see the base of it as well. Um, notably, now that you're on a high point at the top of the waterfall... You can't see any other glades from here. As far as you can see, the forest just goes on forever, forever in yep. all directions with no glades, openings, or paths of any yep. kind. Um, he says, then we need to double back down that path over, down that path over there and points to where the waterfall is kind of winding off. There's a river supplying this and a vague, and a vague, um, not really a road beside it, but a sort of bank next to the river that goes off that way and, again, just seems to disappear into the horizon. And he says, we need to double, that, double back down that path. Not take it, double back down it. All right, so we ride down the path and then we turn around and yep. ride back? Yep. And then you start following these sort of instructions and you end up somewhere else. Yep. Ironically... That does indeed bring you to exactly where you want to go. Excellent. Although I'm not sure that's um, you're not sure that's entirely deliberate on Tristan's part. That's fine. Um, what you end up coming out into here is 
This is again another small clearing, um, about two, you know, sort of 200, 250 foot odd wide. Um, and this one is the first place you have seen that is lit up. Um, there is a sort of ghastly yellow-green light around the place, vaguely like a torchlight. Um, and... One moment. Uh, the area you appear to be in is looking out over a fairly large, crudely built, but very solid wooden hut. You are over here. Ah, uh, yep. Um, of, of a kind of odd, simple, but kind of odd construction and set up around the outsides of it. Um, there are this, there are these flickering torchlights. And among other things, it just looks like somebody lives here. Like there's a big washing line out the back. There is a huge outdoor oven out the back. Um, a big muddy sort of pool of sorts that looks like somebody has just dug a particularly deep and wide hole into the ground. Um, and these torches seem to light. These torches seem to be lighting the outside as opposed to the inside. And what happens is as you come towards the first one, you can now clearly see that what you're looking at here is actually a human head. It is some woman's head spiked onto a pole. Um, its mouth sort of open agape, looking horrified. She's obviously dead. It's a severed head. But it looks like she is just freshly killed a moment ago. Yeah. Her head is stuck. Rigor mortis, like a look of horror on her face and her mouth open. Um, and there is a light projecting out from it. Uh, no, Kaelin... And there are several of these things around the place, one stuck on either side of the path that you are currently heading down towards this. And once again, it is, you know, another good hour's ride yep. in, in real time, in normal time to get to here. So Kaelin will first look sad and then... Um examine the head a bit more closely and specifically looking at the the glowing where the light is coming from. Yep. So this is pretty minor magic and the sort of thing Tristan can tell you fairly easily. Oh oh gods, that's awful. I I had a feeling it was going to be. It looks awful. Uh it's not particularly complicated, magically speaking. Uh, this is just a perpetual light spell. Uh, no, no more or less than what I have here. He pulls out his um, ever-burning torch with the continual flame cast on it. It's merely that whoever's made these um, lanterns has chosen to make them out of woman's heads that have been preserved with necromancy to stay uh, relatively fresh. So they are... People's heads with gentle repose and with um, continual flame cast on them. Right. You're not talking serious so amounts is, of magic here. They're so the, this no is no pixies a, involved. No pixies involved. All right. Well, you know, once we take care of this place, I think we might take a little bit of time and uh, take these down. Um, let me see. Just a second. Uh, no, I can 
find out, so tell us for me. You must be going to That's where that is. It's, it's so pointless. Trolls can see in the dark, even if people can't. Although it, I can see why his... These are all human women, by and large. Um, what you will find is, as you look at more of these heads, there are dozens of them around the place. Um, they are clearly set up on as, in as much display as a light source. Um, the vast majority, but not all of them, are human, and they are all humanoid things from the material plane. All women, all in their 20s to 30s, all vaguely attractive, although certainly not earth-shatteringly so. He's picked, you know, vaguely applicable mm. woman that, that vaguely fits some criteria. I mean, the the only good news I can give you is that these women are long, long dead. Their souls are long past from this place. I'm glad that Van and Svetlana came through when he started um, raiding our kingdom. Yeah, he didn't get any of your women. Uh, yeah. Van and Svetlana rescued them but failed to catch the Mr. Gotham troll, yeah. who fled back to here, presumably. All right. Let's go in and see about getting the living pipsies out and putting a stop to this. I can... If he needs lights for his wives, I could see why they might like new ones. I wouldn't, um... I wouldn't cotton on to this. Not sure they were necessarily looking for him to put pixies in cages, but <laughs> I, I'm not. Sh- I don't think they had much of a say in anything. No, no, it doesn't look at, look of that nature. The poor things. All right, let's go in and have a look for trolls then. All right. And I'm sensing this might be one of those problems where um, violence is the most applicable answer. Uh, so. Um, at this point you're just sort of looking at this you are guessing but it seems like a pretty safe guess that the other dozens of lights you can see further into the glade are the same heads yeah um, what's your plan for rumbling the misbegotten troll you have no idea whether he's at home or not but if he is he's presumably inside his house yeah um, given that I've got Tristram I was contemplating something a bit sneaky yeah does Tristram have invisibility absolutely and greater invisibility yeah um, well, I don't necessarily want to discommode him with a greater invisibility for me, but um, I wouldn't say no to invisibility and in trying to sneak up on the guy. Oh, that's amazing. Tristan can set his house on fire with shadow evocation fireballs if he's so inclined. That's pretty funny. Because even though they're illusory, the house did mostly illusory, the house doesn't get a save. Yeah. On the other hand, we probably want to know where the pixies are before we start yeah, yeah, fire fireballs around. That's pretty fair. Uh, so, yeah, Tristan has invisibilities up the wazoo. Yeah, so... If he casts them. Yeah, so, um... I know I'm big and clanky, but let's at least have a go at sneaking up on this fellow. Um, I, I've got, um... I've got this here necklace that Caelan taps the knee, makes it fireball more explicitly, eh, which might give us a good a, a good start on fighting him. Would you, would you say he'll be vulnerable to fire? Uh, certainly, if he's, any, if he's anything like a regular troll, fire and acid... I would wager he's been living here long enough to be mutated by the energies of the first world, like the Albear. It's possible it'll be something simple and he'll be bigger and stronger. It's possible it'll be something slightly more complex and he'll have unique abilities. I can't say until we actually see him. Oh, well, fire and acid I can do. <laughs> um, 
Christmas is. But he is a troll and very large and very strong. We could go into his home or we could lure him out here where we have a little more room to manoeuvre. Oh, that's a possibility. What did you What did you have in mind? Uh, well, I was simply planning on knocking. <laughs> well, there is that. Um, or, <laughs> from another point of view... <laughs> Um, or you could make us look like attractive young woman. <laughs> <laughs> if you want him vulnerable, that is definitely a thing I could do. I'm just thinking if two attractive young women strolled into this clearing and started taking a look about, he'd be more or less bound to come out and investigate. That's that's hilarious. And uh, that way you're not using up, and it doesn't use too many of your better spells. Yeah, no, totally. We're going to be damsels. So we're going to look for making some kind of loud racket. Yep. Um, Which you can easily do. Yeah. Just by virtue of walking around going, Oh my god, look at this! Yeah, we exclaim in horror, and I think Kaelin will scream dramatically as we enter the clearing and take take a um, gander at the severed heads, and we'll then sort of endeavour to panic and flee, but trip into each other, and kind of, you know, clearly we're not escaping anytime soon. Um, so, okay, so Tristan will cast Seeming then. Yep. Um, which makes you appear to be hot blondes. Yes. Basically, it's um, it's not Svetlana, but it's a very Svetlana-like woman and her um, hot redhead companion. Yep. And... This will last you for 12 hours. Yep, that's probably longer than we'll need. Because Tristan doesn't have um, disguised self, and even if he did, couldn't use it on him. Yeah. Um, what he has is this ridiculously complex thing. Yeah. The to- overcomplicated magical solutions is yeah. ideal for this. Um, and he casts this and turns you into sort of a... An attractive, buxom, blonde woman. Yeah, with no armor or weapons. Completely concealing your armor and weapons behind yeah. this illusion. Um, does the same to himself. Uh, given this is a seeming, you can absolutely have the horse or not, as you prefer. Um, I think we'll have the magic horses off to one side so that I can grab it if I want it. Actually, yeah, I think we, we will have the horse... I'll have the horse nearby, because it's a magical horse, I don't have to worry so much about it getting damaged. Well, because he just disguises it. Right, now, yeah. now it looks like a beautiful white pony cool. with big fluttery eyelids. Yeah, totally. So and Tristan will absolutely want to be on his horse, because he don't want to get grabbed by no trolls. Yeah, whereas um, I will just be near my horse, so I've got options either way, because um, I'm probably going to get into melee with this thing and stab it with my brutal acid-damaging sword. Which will absolutely be in matchless sentinel mode for the time being. Because that's the one that's got the acid damage. At the blind sight and the ethereal sight. Okay, uh, and... So you and Tristan sort of ride into the clearing. Yeah. And look around, and what are you... Because it's you presenting this, what are you doing here? Okay, so the two girls ride innocently and haplessly into the clearing and get quite far in before they stop to take a look around. Yeah. Then um, the Tristram girl stays on her horse while the Kalen girl gets off to have a look around, yeah. sees the severed head on a stick, 
and lets forth with a dramatic girly <laughs> scream. Then she endeavours to run away and get back on her horse and flee screaming out of the kit thing, but unfortunately falls and, you know, appears to twist her female ankle. And appears to twist her female ankle. Because Kaelin is doing his very best wounded prey bit. And Tristan rides around the circle. And and the Fae magic counteracts the whole very, uh, counteracts to an extent the um, big half-orc very poor at acting thing. And Tristan, um, Run, rides around in little circles, yeah. sort of flapping his hands and and going, oh, oh, gods, help us, help us. <laughs> um, meanwhile, these are the two least competent girls in all of Galarian. <laughs> okay, the misbegotten troll at this point um, makes a stealth check, <laughs> such as it were. Uh, cool, and can you give me a spot check at a difficulty of three to see this? If you can make it automatically, you do. Uh, yes, I can make it automatically. Uh, what do you actually end up with? Because a raise will buy you something. <laughs> three! I end up with a three! <laughs> Kaelin is concentrating on his performance. Being a sissy yeah. little girly girl who um, couldn't come up with something useful to do even though she's in a clearing with seven heads is really straining his very limited acting skills because he really can't afford to get on the horse and successfully book before the troll gets here. But every instinct of screaming, like, as he gets more into the part, it's like, but you should escape if yeah, there's yeah. a troll. I mean, any, Tristan, girl, any girl with half a sense that had just run across a seven girl head would leave. I mean, Tristan is panic, starts panicking and yeah. starts trying to ride into the trees, which, yeah. of course, don't allow him passage. Yeah, that, that's good. Um, that's a nice slightly further uh, back. Abandoning you to your death. Yeah. Um, the troll, meanwhile... You see curtains twitch within this hut. Yeah. Well, well made, quite lovely curtains with yeah. flowers on them. And this hideous troll face with long fangs coming out of it. Um, look out the window at what's happening here, trying to peek out in as stealthy a fashion as a troll can. He makes a perception check opposing Tristan's disguise to see if he notices anything wrong yeah. with these helpless girls. Uh, he only gets a will save if he comes and interacts with this. Yeah. So at this point, he merely looks at it like a disguise and goes, man, these are some very manly girls or not. Yeah. Uh, as it is, no shot in hell whatsoever. So the troll looks at this. Licks his lips in a very self-satisfied fashion. It's basically Christmas morning, because he normally has to go out and get this one. Yeah. At which point you see that something is wrong with his tongue. Trolls usually have a vaguely human tongue. Mm. It's huge and fat and mm. looks more or less like a person's tongue. This one is long, like a lizard's tongue. It rolls down to his navel and then rolls back up into yeah. his mouth. And he steps back away, doesn't bother shutting the window, and starts doing this... Um, and Tristan, you know, goes over to you, tries to pull you yeah. up, you know, discovers you're too heavy for his weak girly arms. I'm sorry, Seraline, I can't. And lets you go. Um, and whispers, whispers down to you, well, I'm pretty confident this is working. He seems to be taking off his armor and putting on a suit. That's fabulous. It's just, um, okay, I'm going to try and get you to tow me out of here, and um, 
You're going to have to gallop your horse away. Yep. So um, we endeavour to be useless. Like Tristram's going to try and rescue me, fail, and resume trying to escape at different points of the wood. Talon is going to try and hobble to his horse, but convince his horse to move further away, so he keeps falling down and then hobbling to his horse and startling his horse because he's the world's worst horsewoman woman in the world as well. Yeah, the misbegotten troll seems sees nothing wrong with this whatsoever. Yeah. Um, because we absolutely give him time to take off his armour and put on a suit. Yes, yes, yes indeed. Um, and what occurs here is that after a few minutes, there's a thump at the door as... The troll comes staggering out, um, calling out in Teldane, Brides! Brides! Welcome to your new life! <laughs> and he is coming out, and what you see is a hideous-looking giant troll, obviously. Um, his tongue is mostly tucked back away in his mouth. Trolls have big canines and fangs anyway. This guy has weirder ones. They come down like this and up like this and look a lot more like saber-toothed tiger fangs. So he has an he has a weird tongue, an oversized bite. Um, and he is dragging along with him a long rancer, a big spiked pole arm, that appears to be melted into his arm. Like his arm looks vague one of his arms looks vaguely Play-Doh-like, and the rancer is just sort of stuck in it. I think I can see why he has trouble picking up trolls and has to, uh, girl trolls and has to sit, settle for human woman. This is the gentleman in his hideous spiked armor. Yep. But he is without that and is wearing an oversized but well-made and well-tailored human-looking suit. This is the kind of thing a noble would wear, made of nice silks and that. And he is staggering out with that. He is dragging the rancer along behind him like he can't separate it from his arm, or has chosen not to. And in the other hand, he is holding a bunch of flowers, none of which look particularly fresh with no yep. eye composition, and starts pulling himself over to you. Welcome, wives, to your new life! <laughs> and staggers towards you, and I don't know whether we want to um, leave it there or keep going. No, I think we we want to leave it there. And um, the... Um, the girl endeavours to look horrified and edge back away from him, and as she does so, her hand reaches up to her neck, right around where um, the player may know it concealed a whole bunch of beads of fireball. Fair. And blindly, the misbegotten troll starts to just stagger towards you, smiling happily, because all of his Christmases have come at once. Yep. And that is where we will leave it there. Um... Oh, uh... No, he is not carrying that out with him. Uh, he is calling out to you as he comes. New wives, I have presents for you. Flowers, pretty lights to see by. He doesn't have them in his hand or obviously on him. Cool, so I will have checked this clearing because we've had three minutes yes. to establish that there's no pixies in a 60-foot radius. No, what you find is something that is obviously um, sitting out by the washing line. There is something that is obviously one of the cages they were referring to. It's effectively a glass sort of lantern cage with a little hook on the door, about yay big, um, 
looks like it would fit something. Um, how to describe this? It's probably about this big and twice as wide. Um, made of glass, looks like a lantern, and has a funny little hook on it that looks like it attaches to a charm bracelet or a necklace or something like that. You imagine that a human woman could carry this in her hand fairly easily like a flashlight. Yeah. Uh, this particular one doesn't have a pixie in it, and it just appears to have been opened by simple virtue of um, flicking the lock as opposed to being smashed to pieces. Or Sweet. Whatever. That looks like something even Kaelin can pull off. And that's what you see. Presumably the others are probably in his house somewhere. Cool. So since we've lured him out here, we can fight away from the pixies and then solve the pixie problem afterwards. Absolutely. All right. All good. All good. And we are luring the misbegotten to troll into a clever and overcomplicated ambush. And I'm just going to ruin its whole day. Dun, dun, dun.